It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve in the world of horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrifying flicks. If you made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you take a horror icon, put an innuendo, and give him a terrible death? Why you get a Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. And this episode, we are looking at a Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, to which I keep freaking calling uh, <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth. Especially when I reached out to our very special guest, and thank you very much for doing this uh, all the way over in the UK. It's Neil. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing well. Welcome to uh, your first Terrible Terror episode. Yes, yeah, about time. I've been trying to get on here for about a year and a half. So <laughs> that's right. You've been trying to hit me up with another Anaconda movie. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's um, trying to sort of get uh, get in front of Dave to get on here is quite difficult. So, <laughs> well, I know he has his uh, queue of movies. Him and Pat, right? You know, Pat wasn't yes. uh, the MVP of uh, you know guests for back in time for nothing. No, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, welcome, and uh, you actually are kind of the one that inspired me doing this episode because you pointed out that there was the uh, that documentary that came out that called Screen Queen, which is in the U.S. is available on Shutter. I'm not sure if it's available locally to you, um, but it's uh, you know basically about how the main character in our film, Jesse, is the very first male Screen Queen, uh, and pretty much the only male Screen Queen that has ever existed. Yeah, I mean, I I was look I was looking for it earlier on, but um, it's just it, you just can't get it over here. It's um, um, and and the more I was sort of reading about it, it seemed to be I thought it was more of a sort of making of mm-hmm. uh, style documentary, but it's it's everything I read. It seemed to be almost just like um, uh, is it Mark Patton his his account of the film more than uh, more than sort of the making of. But um, no, I really want to see it. It looked um, it looked a lot of fun that documentary. And it it definitely, I haven't seen it yet. So I was trying to watch it beforehand, but with work and everything kind of getting all crazy these last two weeks, it's just been like, I I really want to watch it after this, and especially after seeing this movie again, because it's been a very long time since I've seen this movie. It's not necessarily one of my personal favorite of the Friday, I even did it there, the Nightmare (laughs) on Elm Street movies. I'm about to say Friday the fucking 13th again, uh, but the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. um, But I... I think that maybe I have a better understanding of it after watching again, but of course, you know, I don't want to spoil that now. We'll talk about it as, as we get into the film. But what was your first experience with the film? Do you know, this is one of those that I, I, I think I was talking to Dave last, last year and he mentioned it and I'm sitting there going, I cannot remember watching this film. I know I've seen it and I've seen all of them, but I 
for some reason I just couldn't remember ever seeing it. So um, I checked it out last year and everything was kind of new to me. So how it slipped under the radar, if it slipped under the radar, I have no idea. But um, certainly I'd heard all the, you know, I knew everything about it as in it's the, the, the sort of homoerotic undertones and the, the sort of the, the sort of the reaction to the film and everything so um it, it's you know it was really great to watch it again after like I said I can't remember when I did watch it so um, it may have been the first time in 40 years it, it, it may have been the second time in 40 <laughs> years I don't know well it's definitely one of those films it's funny because when I started watching this again and my wife was hanging out and sometimes she'll sit and she'll watch the movies with me and other times she'll just go and do what she wants to do because uh, she's just like oh, I'm not in the mood to watch a scary movie but she would tell me this is actually one of the first horror movies that she saw as a kid at like five years old um, this and what she said was Chucky she used to call it Chucky when she lived when she was in <laughs> Peru and so and she would always tell her mom to go to the video store. I want to watch Chucky. I want to watch Chucky. But this is the second film that she ever saw. And she remembers this the most. Like she had seen this even before she had seen the original, which is really weird when you think. And I even said, like, isn't it odd that you saw the second one before you even saw the first one? And the second one is so much different than all the other ones that are out there where the other ones are all kind of at least have a similar type of theme. You know, it's, and she's just like, I don't know. I was five. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems to be the the original Nightmare on Elm Street was my first ever horror, uh, one of my first ever horror films because my my dad caught me watching it. At, uh, we were at a barbecue. <laughs> I think I was ten. I think I'd have been about ten, and um, one of the older kids uh, was showing me around his room and everything. And he said, "Oh, do you want to watch this?" So he, he stuck it on. Um, we got about halfway through it, and my dad came upstairs. He was not. He was not impressed. I think it's the. Um, He's denying it now. I spoke to him recently and he's like, I don't remember that. <laughs> no. I, I remember. I remember getting pulled down the <laughs> stairs by my ears. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street seemed to be everybody's kind of go-to sort of first, first horror film. So, um, um, yeah. and sorry. I, I, no, I think even people, you know, that grew up uh, were born in, I say, the 80s, not necessarily grew up in the 80s, uh, but 90s, you know, Freddie was so like put into our culture. I mean, he was there. He had music videos of him. You know, the <laughs> the Will Smith music video is always one of the first ones that I remember growing up, you know, and I hadn't even seen any of the movies, but I knew who Freddy Krueger was. I knew that he scared the shit out of me. I knew what he did. You know, it's the same thing with Jason. You know, I knew what he was, but he wasn't necessarily, you know, I would say my first horror film, probably for me, it might've been Gremlins if I really think about it where it's one of those movies where, oh, this is a horror movie. Oh, but it's it's not really a horror movie. It's, it's PG. It's okay. Kids can watch it. <laughs> yeah, well, we were, uh, in the UK, in the, in the, especially in the 80s, they were really, really strict on, uh, on having things like that available to people. So, um, so I remember Gremlins coming. It was the first time I was allowed to stay up past midnight was to watch Gremlins one Christmas when it came on TV. And, that would, and over here, to get something on TV would have been about, four years after it had come out so wow. um uh, but we, yeah, we used to i spoke i spoke uh, about this on first time i ever appeared on dave's show but we used to have a guy who would drive the neighborhood with with uh, what why kids should be going out to his van but um <laughs> he used to drive this van around and he the back of the van he'd open it up and there would just be all these videos 
Um, and so basically you would go and rent these these horrific uh, horror films. He'd let you have them when you were like 11 or 12. Um, so we just used to just just go and grab anything we could and sort of secretly, me and my next door neighbour, we used to sort of just get them and um, watch them secretly. And that's how I really got into into sort of horror films in the, in the first place. So. Well, that, that probably would have uh, kidnapped me very, very easily if there was a guy with a van that was driving horror movies around. Um, but maybe even not back then, not so much. I mean, I, I know I've talked a little about it before too, where, you know, horror movies kind of weren't totally my thing as a young kid. Um, I mean, my cousins, I think the first time that I, you know, outside of just kind of like my parents being like, oh, we're going to put this on and it's, oh, it happens to be kind of horror. You know, my cousins have been watching those types of films since they were tiny. I mean, I remember being over at my grandma's and my uncle putting on Aliens and my cousin, oldest cousin, who I think at the time was five, maybe six, just enjoying the shit out of it. And it was scaring the living fucking daylights out of me the entire time that I'm watching it you know um and uh but it just there's something always been there about horror films in general that just like the stories are always a lot more interesting even if it's cheesy i can still really enjoy it like a bad comedy i just can't enjoy it same thing with a bad drama but a bad horror movie oh man i can sit for hours and get held under entertainment out of that thing but to me it's kind of it's almost like a scam that the horror industry's created for themselves where where they can make a bad film but everybody loves it still because it's like, yeah, but it's so bad. It's good. So oh, yeah. it's almost this, it's this kind of Ponzi scheme that the, 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 the horror, horror franchises have come up with where it's like, it doesn't matter what we make, people are going to watch it. So <laughs> that's right. It just, uh, it doesn't matter if it's direct to DVD. It was found on a USB drive somewhere. Somebody went and made it in their hotel room one <laughs> night, you know, uh, and gave it out to their friends at a party. What was that it. one? Yeah, what was that one that I we shared the other the other month? Um, the, one, the dinosaur one was it? Jurassic? Um, oh my god, I can't remember what that one was. It was it was a play on Jurassic. It. Yeah, it was it was Jurassic yeah. something. Jesus was, Christ, that was terrible. It was <laughs> it was the one with the dinosaurs and like they had like a world plan for domination or some shit. And it was meant to be. It was definitely meant to be done badly. You know, almost like the Velocipaster type of thing where that's definitely a, it's a so bad it's good, but it's aware that it's so bad. That was like the, from the CG to the sets to the characters. Oh my God. It was like Triassic something. I, I can't remember what it was. I just remember you sent it to me and I think I was homesick and I was like, all right, I'll watch it. And I was Jesus Christ. What the hell is this? <laughs> oh yeah. I, mean, I, I It was during the time where I was literally just, just harassing um, production um, distribution companies just that you got anything have you got anything have you got anything uh and i got a few that's how i ended up with with killer sofa and and, and things like that but just harassing people until they until they give me free things <laughs> hey give me this free movie <laughs> let me watch it please yeah i mean I, most people slide into dms to try and score i slide into dms to try and get <laughs> free movies <laughs> i guess you know if you need a reason to slide into somebody's dms movies are probably the safest way to go right yeah yeah i mean um although yeah to be honest that 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 jurassic film was um i might as well have been asking for pornography to be honest at that point (laughs) well at least they didn't ask you for anything in return right so (laughs) you still just got it for free (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, I, they probably said the message afterwards said i'm sorry <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry yeah but, um i i i i love i love it. it's almost like the, the worse the film the more i enjoy it it's it's i can appreciate it on all levels especially 
the sort of the lower the budget, the more kind of fun I have watching a film because it's you can see the effort, but just working with with you know six dollars to their name, it's, yeah. Um, it's I would I one of, somebody mentioned it once, but it, I'd be really interested to. Um, there was somebody touting around a series where they said, "Why don't we make a series where we get um, some of the you know the biggest filmmakers? So your your John Carpenters and your and, you know your, your Tyrwhites and everything, and give them a B movie budget and see what sort of film they could make." Um, I sort of think that thing would be really really cool. Just just see see if it is just a lack of budget or if it is a lack of you know, talent, which, um, you know, just because it's your dream, it doesn't mean you should do it. <laughs> well, part of me wants to say, I, I, I think that that sounds like a, like an advanced, like Project Greenlight when they did that back in the day. And they actually had like decent sized budgets for these films that were produced by but Matt Damon and, and Ben Affleck. But I wonder on the flip side, if you took somebody like a, like a Lloyd Kaufman, like a trauma, and you gave them a $200 million budget, and then see what they could produce because even like like trauma is of course like the king of indie low budget like horror slot right it's not meant to be like some of it is done really well and some of it is really tongue-in-cheek and they always do a great job with the effects and everything's really practical and that's probably why it works out so well um but to actually see them basically have to do i feel like they've kind of done the same type of movie over and over again, not to say it's not entertaining, but work within whatever budget they got. And that's, Oh, you know, the magic max budget, we're ever going to work with is $500. That's what they build to. Um, but to see them do a $200 million movie and to see what they would actually come up with, whether it would be the same type of quality uh, just enhanced, or it would actually be like this, like epic horror movie that is, everything that they've ever wanted to do. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you see um, uh, things like Poultrygeist. Um, they, that's probably one of their most expensive productions, I think. And you, see, think you so. can see that the jumping quality between some of the stuff they do in the Poultrygeist. Um, you know, if you times that by 15, 20 budget-wise, um, it would be, you know, fantastic to, um, to, to, to see them do something like that. So. Oh, I, I totally agree. And I, Poultry Guys, I think, is one of the better examples that you can make of them having a high budget on a film. But I think a lot of that uh, was from the rental of the properties, right, that they had to do from where they had to get the, the McDonald's that was used to, because it definitely wasn't on, you know, actors or you know, somewhat on special effects and stuff like that. Because they even got some people that were, uh, if I remember correctly, and I know Dave will probably correct me if I'm wrong, um, that previously worked on trauma films that basically did it at a very low to no cost, right, to do some of the scenes that were done there. And you can go back and listen to the podcast from Another World episode on Poultry Guys, and definitely where I got some of those stats from. Uh, but uh, <laughs> see, see, I listened to his episodes too. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's interesting to think like, and, and even this film itself, like when you think of Nightmare on Elm Street part two, this one had a $3 million budget, which for some of the stuff that they do in this film, I think that's rather low, like for what you see and what the effect is. 
Um, but it managed to make, you know, only $30 million. I say only, but this is in 1985. So for at least for the U.S. box office, it was $30 million. So it's a certified hit. Regardless of whether people liked it or not, it made its money back and then some. Well, it also, it, it doubled the... Um it doubled the take of the original film. Correct. So, uh, you know, you, how you can, you know, d- d- double the takings yet be considered a flop. It's, it's, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't sort of understand that. And, and even the, the original film uh, was only made for 1.8 million. So they got a boost in what was actually given uh, to the film. But I mean, it doesn't compare to like dream warriors, which had a much bigger budget than this and didn't actually make that much more than this film did. That only made $44 million and this made 30 Yeah, but sort of ironically, the Dream Warriors is considered like one of the best of the franchise um, and sort of the most remembered. And it was, um, it, it sort of, if you look at the takings again, it didn't, you know, like you're saying, it didn't take much more no. than this. So, I, um, I think a lot of it comes down to what what we'll probably talk about in terms of like character v- development and the way that the characters are, I th- and again, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that it's a male screen queen and, and those connotations that were kind of put onto the film is what kind of hurt the, the reception to this movie. Well, it was, it's kind of my understanding that the original sort of idea for these films was, was to the same as the, the ideas they had with the Halloween films, which was to make sequels that were just different stories that were the kind of not necessarily tied in, just with sort of a reoccurring character um, of, of Freddy Krueger, but a different story altogether. Um, but it's yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things. If you're going to sort of do a sequel, they they sort of fell into that trap of do we keep it kind of the same or do we try and go down a completely different path? Um, and to their credit, they went down a completely different path. And the eighties were, were, were a weird time. As, as yeah. you know. So um, people sort of, I think it confused a lot of people more than, more than it being a, a bad film or, or, um, or anything like that. It, definitely. I feel that the, this movie and maybe I'll ask the question at the end of it. I'll, I'll ask the question now just so you think about it as we talk about it. And so the audience can think about it as well. Uh, and But let's not answer the question until the end, if I remember, um, <laughs> which I'm terrible at. Uh, but would this movie, if it was made today in in this style, would it be popular or would it get the same type of reaction? And so it's not, a, not an answer to that question right now because I think that there are definitely things with time, but... Um, it's something to think about as we go through the movie itself. Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the thing I like about this film, especially with the way it was written, is, is, is the, you know, we'll get into it as we go, but the character development is probably one of the most realistic group of characters I've ever seen in a horror film. Um, from, from their sort of interactive, you know, the way they interact, the way, they, mm-hmm. the, the way they're written. Um, maybe not the... Um, the underlying, the underlying um, themes. So, so, but, yeah. um, but in terms of sort of how how um, Ron and Jesse uh, talk together, and the way sort of Lisa and Jesse talk together, it, it really 
does feel like a, a realistic group of you know school kids basically yeah it, it doesn't feel now to saying that it it <laughs> acting wise uh does it feel awkward that's one thing but in terms of character progression yeah i can agree with you it, it doesn't feel like it feels like how they would approach this situation how jesse would react as things have going on everything seems to kind of just match and it's a credit to the way that the story is written now i i don't get the subtitle and that's something i can kind of we can kind of start off with before we start going actually into the movie but freddie's revenge really doesn't make any sense especially for the whole like going through the entire film it still won't make any sense at the end of the movie no, I, I don't know whether this was, uh, I kind of, uh, to me, I think the whole production of this film was kind of, there were a lot of cross wires, I think. So, you know, the, the sort of, you've got the Freddy's Revenge, I don't know who he's getting revenge on, because yeah. it never comes up, but but the, the, the whole sort of, it's almost like there were two groups of people making this film. There was, there was kind of the soups saying it needs to be this, and then you've got writers that are sneaking in as it turns out, sneaking in lots of underlying themes that, <laughs> <laughs> that that nobody was aware of, apart from the main character who's adamant that no, I'm gay. It's like he's yeah. adamant he's gay. You got some of the writers sneaking in things, some of the writers saying he's not. Then you got the suits saying it needs to be like this, and it's, it's a bit of a sort of clusterfuck, really. <laughs> sort of... Yeah, because it honestly he has nobody to get revenge on because in honest in all honesty dream warriors could have been freddie's revenge right that would have made sense because here's nancy again she's back and freddie's back and he wants to get revenge on nancy nancy only has one little small thing to do with the movie a way that we're going to tie this all together how we're going to get nightmare on elm street in this to tie together which if they had gone more of the halloween route and had just gone with this is just a story involving freddie once again they didn't need Nancy's diary other than they needed some type of mechanism to explain Freddie for those that maybe are for some reason seeing this for the first time, like my wife, rather than seeing uh, the first one before we went through. But again, uh, at her age, I don't know if she necessarily needed an introduction to Freddy Krueger. So, well, yeah, I mean, but if this was your first experience of Nightmare on Elm Street, you like there is, there was literally no backstory to freddy krueger in this oh yeah so it's 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 almost as if it's kind of you know you you must watch the first one to understand what is going on but um yeah it's it's odd it's odd almost the the sort of lack of appearances of freddy krueger as well but we'll get into that i'm sure but so why don't we just go ahead and jump into the film now there are a couple of clips that are relatively long not terribly long and some of the stuff is i was talking to you before we started recording it may seem like it's going on with music and like scenery um it's just because there's a lot that's going on in between it or on the ends of it rather than cut pay 10 seconds and then finish it off a lot easier plus we're doing a little video thing for us here not necessarily recording the video um but uh it helps us go through the scenes i think with this movie because there is one thing that I, i will say at the end of the movie that why I also agreed for the video for this, um, but I don't want to talk about that just yet. Now, the other disclaimer is, is uh, I believe Neil was approached by Dave to say not to say anything bad about this movie, but he didn't tell me to say anything bad about this movie, so it'll all be on me. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, sorry, Dave, I am trying. <laughs> so, 
but no, we're, we're going to, I think this is going to be a fun time and I hope you guys uh, really enjoy it. So the film itself actually has one of the best openings of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, I think that are, is out there. Like it really engages you right away. And basically you have Jesse who at the beginning, I didn't realize that was Jesse because he doesn't no. really look like him either. Like he no, looks he look, like a nerd. He looks like a method as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It, really, it was literally. I, I only found out that was Jesse about five minutes before before I came on the call. Oh, see, I found out while I was grabbing the video, and I was like, because in the beginning, I'm like, okay, is that supposed to be him? Because the first time you see Jesse, he's like really clean cut. I mean, he's got that spiky like '80s punker kind of hair, like that faux punk, maybe that new wave hair. Maybe that's more what he has. And, but here, he's like, it looks like he's drenched in uh, sweat. Basically, so it's him dreaming. And, and and that gets us kind of into the whole, you know, Freddy mythology, the Nightmare on Elm Street mythology of it all happening in your dreams and these things are going to come out and get you in your dreams, which is great. And it's a really great sequence because it's just them, the bus coming down the street, dropping off kids, everything seems cool. And then when it's left to Jesse and these two annoying girls that are on the damn bus and they, when they just, <laughs> I love it when he's just zooms by their stop. You know, and they're just like, hey, oh, waving. And like the dog and the balloon are there. It's like, they're just getting home from school. They're they're not doing anything special. Why did the dog and the balloon have to fucking show up? It's like Pennywise is picking up these kids is what's really fucking happening over here. But they they continue on. And then they just, it's time for like bus off-roading. And they go in the middle of the desert. And then it turns into this like awesome like hellscape where you got like the pillars coming from the ground, the bus teetering around. I mean, it's a really great looking scene. Yeah. I mean, did, did you notice who was driving the bus initially? Wasn't it Robert England that was initially it, driving the bus? It was a mulleted Robert England. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the thing that made me laugh was, was when the bus is hurtling through the desert, he's changed into Freddy Krueger. So he's mm-hmm. got his glove on and he's, but the girls are still going, Hey driver, stop. Like, you know, like, can you not see, like, he's gone from a, a normal mulleted man into a, a, a burnt husk wearing a, a fedora and, 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 and nice fingers. And no, they're it's just, just... It's just the regular bus driver. That's who normally <laughs> drives the bus for them every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> but it, it's, it was, um, yeah, I, I think um, acting was not probably those girls' is final careers i think no i just like the way she's laughing while she's like going hey that's my stop like i I would be pissed if i just finished a long day at school and my driver drove past my thing well did you love the little sticker too that was on the the bus uh like dashboard before you saw freddie it was a body glove sticker and it was the glove basically like that's that's an old brand that used to be you know here in the u.s i'm not sure if it made it your way uh but and i used to have some body glove stuff so yeah fantastic um <laughs> but it's on the it's on the thing and then the next scene is him with his glove like right there like changing gears and i was like okay i see what you did there oh boy and and product placement in this movie let me tell you there's some great product placement throughout this movie in in the most opportune times except for when there's beer and we'll talk about that later on. Yeah, there's there's one in particular coming up very soon that I, I want to ask you about because it's something that we didn't have over here and I'm, I'm i pray to god it's not a real thing because uh, it made me cringe seeing it but... <laughs> i think i know what you're talking about and i think that's going to show up in a clip in a second um <laughs> and so 
So basically they're on that like teeter tottering, like piece of rock. And then what I don't get is because they go to like the back of the bus and it doesn't like quite like it kind of tilts a little bit, but then as Freddie is like walking up the aisle with his glove. And I, again, this scene is really, really great. Like it gives great tension. You get him scraping his claws against the seat, even the way that they, he drives the bus and get his cackling laugh. Like everything just, I'm really like, okay, this movie's going to start great. It's going to be, you know, I'm really going to get into this. And then, but as he's walking towards them, the bus starts to tip forward for some reason. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of, I was kind of expecting like a Freddie quip or something as he was walking up the bus, like I'm back or, you know, that, that something like that, but they, they sort of try to keep this sort of tension that they like, it's, it's going to be like a full on kind of action horror film. It's like, yeah. it's like, Oh, this is going to be, this is going to be something really, really different to what we actually got. But um, I mean, I know that, that they actually, uh, Robert England was not supposed to be Freddie in this one. They hired, they went cheap and they wanted to hire, they just hired a guy in a mask basically. And it was when they filmed that scene on the bus that they realized we've made a terrible mistake because Robert England acts like Robert England, a guy mm-hmm. in a mask. Apparently he just, he, he just walked like a zombie in a, you know, wearing a glove. Um, and yeah, they, they, cause he wanted too much money apparently. Um, huh. But they, yeah, they 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 realise their mistake and very quickly reshot everything. But there is one scene in this film where the old actor is still uh, playing Freddy Krueger. Well, he, and he really, you know, he's always kind of embodied that character too. Like like you say, it's he's he, he's not just. It's one of those weird things. Like that, that's the only person that I could really think. And it's really hard, even with the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot that they did. Um, and I always forget the guy's name, but I know that he was Rorschach in Rorschach, Watchmen, yeah. Watchmen movies. Um, but he's been that guy. He was also in this uh, shit. I always forget the name of this movie. But he played a pedophile in some movie that was actually oh, really good. Um, uh, see, like, uh, was it was this in City? No, I think was it was. It? I think it was called Dollhouse or something like that. It, it was this really, oh, or, or it wasn't maybe it wasn't that one. I but he played a pedophile. Um, Sin City, that was somebody else that played the Yellow Bastard. Uh, that might be one person you're thinking about, but this one... Oh, you, you know what? I'm getting confused with Rorschach killing the beautiful in... There Watchmen. you go. That's there what I'm go. getting confused with. So, but that guy, like, I think he does a decent job, actually a pretty good job of being Freddy Krueger, but I think that Robert England has just so entranced himself into the role. Like, with Jason, all you need kind of... And, and it's not a knock against Jason but you kind of just need a hulking guy in a mask. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't do anything except for kill people. And you could have anybody. And later versions of actors of Jason brought a little more emotion, I think, to the role. Um, as bad as Jason X is, that's probably the most emotive Jason that you've got that's out there. Uh, but with Freddy Krueger, because he has such a an aura around him, it's hard to mistake that. And, and honestly, we're continuing kind of the first Freddy into this one as well, because they're both, they're, they're maybe like small quips. And there definitely is one of them in this movie that made me laugh out loud so ridiculously hard because um, I did not expect it at all. Uh, but it's still, there's still, it's still like a menacing Freddy. Whereas Freddy from Dream Warriors on is like comedic menacing, right? So it's all about the one-liners you know, here we are. It's the Elvis of Freddy's is what we've got moving forward. But it's still a great character, nonetheless. 
Yeah, I would, because I, didn't uh, Robert England pretty much just um, ad libbed most of the first film, hence how you couldn't just get somebody else to do it because he wasn't really written like that. He was just kind of, you know, a a menacing character with a, a, a who was burnt with a glove, but he he ad libbed so much stuff that you know they, they, it was almost impossible to write him any other way. Which is, yeah. I think, why why he doesn't do that much in this film, be, purely mm-hmm. because well, they had to write him, and they 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 they're like, I don't know, I don't know what to do with him. So, Which, yeah, they wrote him a specific way to not really have a whole lot of character, and then oh, we we can't have him now. We have to rewrite him, and I don't know how to rewrite him for this movie. And no, exactly. And I think that you know, and then. Wes Craven saw what he could do with him based upon his performance in the first movie and then made him like he is moving forward. So we have Freddie. He doesn't really do a one-liner or anything, but again, like we said, he's menacing. And then that's when Jesse wakes up in a giant pool of sweat in a room covered with boxes. And the first thing that he does is rearrange his junk in his pants. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to know whether he was stuffed or not. I'm curious, but from downstairs also, you can kind of hear, and I'm going to play just a really quick uh, clip here, but uh, you can hear like the moment that he wakes up and how he screams. That's why I wanted to actually play this too. Mommy, why can't Jesse wake up like everybody else? Oh, honey, he's all right. He's just having a bad dream. So is is that the product that you were thinking about? Yeah, front center. <laughs> Did you honestly have a cereal called Fu Manchu? <laughs> no, but I might have oh. bought them if I had seen them. <laughs> and the fact that and it's in the next clip too, but I'll get ahead of ourselves here. The fact that the the toy that's in them are like giant nails. <laughs> the, the the Fu Man fingers, I think they're called, <laughs> which. Uh, which we we did we did have as I can't remember they're normally things you get in Christmas crackers. You you normally get Fu Man fingers and Christmas crackers. I I definitely got you don't get you don't get five though you you only ever get like two. Okay, um, but yeah, you get they're, they're like little uh, like little rings that just go on, but they've got I don't know what they're for. But well, I here... can't I I can't think that's a safe a uh, safe toy to be having in cereal. No, and especially like the way that the girl's going to get him too, like when she decides to pour out the whole bowl so she can get the damn fingers, you know, of course then I had to think about myself when I was a kid and you get like a bowl of lucky charms and you want that one prize that they always put at the bottom of the goddamn thing so that you eat everything. But no, the best way to do it is just dump the whole bowl out, take the prize, fucking run. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We we used to, the the most irritating ones we used to get over here were um, like, uh, they were kind of like shiny trading card things. Or, oh. or you know, special special holograms type cards, um, and they would slide. They were impossible to get because they just went between the Rice Krispies right down to the bottom of the, you know. And, and <laughs> Rice Krispies don't come in small boxes. They're, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's well, you know, here in the U.S., there's like uh, the U.K. large is the small, and then the uh, <laughs> the bag that just sits on the counter that can feed like twenty five people. <laughs> Uh, that's the regular size that we see over here. Family size, they call it over here. <laughs> yeah, family, and then it's impossible to get down to the damn prize. Um, or, or like they used to do the check cereals, and they gave away the the checks like Doom clone 
that, that you could find in there. And that was always like buried. It wasn't buried in the cereal. They actually, I think, I think they actually made you send off. But I remember some of the stuff, one of the cereals would actually put their things like on the side of the bag. So you could actually just take the whole bag out. But then getting that bag back in that box is near to impossible. Yeah, I think they started doing that here after a sort of late 80s, early 90s. I think there was a, there was some kickback about sort of hygiene, about sticking, you know, people sticking their hands in or people were breaking, that was it. People were, were breaking into the boxes in, in stores. So they think they, they started sticking them to the outside of the bag because if people were going to break into them, at least they weren't tampering with the actual with food. The food. Well, that's that's good, you know. And knowing the way that uh, some Americans are, they still wouldn't give a shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's right. I can talk bad about my peoples. <laughs> <laughs> so we have him. He's now waking up, and again, he, like you said, I, I didn't want to mention it, but you said it. I, I think that he actually was uh, stuffed. You know, but he it was he made a he made a like a, a point of adjusting himself didn't he so it was it was kind of like that can't have been the only take they did of that i think oh. that's a that's a, a definite a definite sort of nod to the to the well i, I would assume the girls in the audience but as it turns out probably <laughs> probably not the girls in the audience well either he it was stuffed and he had a giant gherkin down there or he just had massive balls and he had to adjust because you know somebody that's that thin, they're just going to get stuck to everything. Especially if you're so sweaty that you just got to kind of move around. That's the first thing you're going to do when you wake up is you're going to adjust. Yeah, they were they were some classic old um, '80s pants, weren't they? Oh, those were like the tidiest of whiteies I think that you've yeah. ever seen in your life. Uh, so that's when next morning, well, that same morning I should say, uh, he comes down and we get kind of introduced to Jesse. And, you know, the fact that they've recently moved into this new house. Morning, honey. Hi, Mom. Well, two more. Hallelujah. I want that room unpacked by tonight, young man. Okay, Dad, I promise. No, I don't want any more promises, Jesse. I want your room cleaned up, okay? All right, I'll get on it. No. Angie, what are you up to? I'm trying to get the food man fingers. What's some eggs? No. Jesse, you okay? It's just so hot up there. I'm having a lot of trouble sleeping. I know. I can I wish you'd call somebody and have the air conditioning. There's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that air conditioning, Mom. Just needs a shot of Freon. Here they are. Oh, no. Come on, Dad. You're not trying to fix something again. Nobody likes a smart-ass buddy boy. Look. Of course, that's like foreshadowing for later on in the movie. But did you notice that up on the wall... That there is a, a giant rooster, and then to the left of it, what looks like a giant cock. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, honestly. Like, but... like you can, we can go back a little bit, like right there, up there in the top <laughs> left, right, right to the left of calling Rhonda, there is a giant wiener. Um, I just don't know if that's supposed to be one or what they did, but the subliminal From... messages are already starting. From everything I read, there was... Uh... There was a lot of efforts from sort of the the scene dressers and things to do to ask slip stuff like this in, as it were, um, purely because, like I was saying, there was some you know half half the the team thought that they were they were sort of um, playing the, the 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 gay character and half the team were just oblivious to it. So um, I'd never noticed that before, but you can't I can't not see it now. <laughs> Yeah, well, especially since it's sitting up on the screen as we're talking. (laughs) 
but yeah, that that Fu Manchu box that that she's got, and uh, that thing is so ridiculous. Like the way that it looks here, it's got you know free Fu Man inside Fu Man fingers, um, and they're grabbing the side of the box, and there's no way that Fu Manchu could be grabbing it in that weird way. Those fingers actually are the fingers that we used to get. They were green with red with red nails. They're exa- the ones on the box are real fingers that. Oh like, really? Yeah. Um, they're not actually the ones that she puts on. I noticed because they're just plain red. But um, I, I can't remember. You used to get them. They were really long, and they were long plastic with red nails on. Um, well, it looks like A and E has sponsored this box uh, based upon yeah. the logo that's there, and that that could be you know what has inspired the look of uh, Nicolas Cage in uh, what are the Grindhouse movies when he did his little trailer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a horrid box, isn't it? Oh, it's terrible. Like, what would, like, inspire somebody to want to go buy that cereal specifically? Like, Fu why Man would fingers. you want... <laughs> what, what kid wants Fu Man fingers? This this kid, there. <laughs> she can't wait to get that. I was going to say she can't wait to get fingers. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> but maybe uh, we shouldn't have said that, and it would be... T- no, it's not going to be taken up. Um, but... She does, uh, you know, I love that. That Do you remember her name? Like, does she have no. a name? Because I think later on, like, Freddie calls her girl or something like that. He just like calls a little girl. Stuff. Yeah, he just calls a little girl, I think. And I remember even writing my notes. You know she has a name, right? And then I had to think about it. Well, what's her name? <laughs> I just don't fucking know. I, I'm just having a... Oh, uh, uh, Angela, apparently. Apparently it's Angela. Oh, the name of my sister. Huh, that explains a lot of things. Um, so <laughs> she's gotten her Fu Man fingers, and uh, he's getting ready to go to school, and that's where we're going to meet Lisa for the very first time. Lisa is, what would you say that Lisa is, Neil? Like, love interest, like uh, next-door neighbor, random person that he finds? Well, again, this is kind of... the. the it's she's kind of quite well written whereas you know she's just not she's not an immediate love interest they're kind of the sort of girl that you would be friends with that you you both kind of like each other but but you know nobody's really going for it because they're both a bit awkward um it's, it's, she's i i can't i can't make my mind up whether whether she sort of she seems to be sort of 80s attractive but 90s not attractive it's kind of <laughs> this it's, it's she's a really sort of divisive look that's kind of she I'd... so i i i do agree with you because there's points in this movie where i'm like wow she's she's really cute and it's definitely that 80s attractive that you're talking about and then there's times in this movie where i'm like oh okay like uh you know pool scene for example pretty that, cute d- yeah yeah i mean you first meet her yeah kind of plain jane like she's she's the rich girl but i don't know how they necessarily know each other either because he's supposedly like new in town right or did they just recently buy this place and then they moved into that place but they've been in this town forever we don't really know how that happens no it's kind of mentioned that 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 they've just moved they've, they've just moved there and he's too but there's no kind of backstory to that it's just kind of it's just mentioned in passing when when he when he he never mentions it to her no it's 
it's it's kind of strange though and and here he is he's driving her to school every day oh what is it yeah what is it he calls his car um the something dinosaur um I, I don't remember. It's, I know it's the something dinosaur. Is it like the rusty dinosaur or something? Like I, I that? think but it's it, something like that. Yeah, but it, it it's it, it runs better than my first car. So, um. well, did your first car require you to hotwire through the cassette deck to turn it on? Uh, nearly. It was. It, it was. It was so. My my first car was so bad that when it was cold, it frosted on the inside of the window. Oh no! Um, which I've. I was getting. I was late for work once, and the, the inside was frosting up as I was driving. And I was getting really, really cross. So I, I, I went to sort of just bang my hand on the window, as like a frustration, and I put my hand straight through the windscreen. Oh, it no. frosted up that much. <laughs> um, there were several times. I think that car lit, was trying to kill me on several occasions. I was, I'm turning turning right onto a main road, and the wheel just locked turning right. So I, I turned onto the road, but then carried on turning onto oncoming traffic. Oh, it, lethal car, but. Um, yeah, I think I'd rather have Jesse's, to be honest. <laughs> well, yeah, well, he does say that, you know, she's like, wouldn't you rather have a key? He's like, why? They're not going to steal it this way. And I had to think to myself for a second. Yeah, probably most people won't want to put the effort into uh, figuring out that you've got to hit first hit play and then fast forward. And then you got to stick in the, you know, because he has one of those old like lighter pushing things. And so that the lighter pops out and then that's what's used to actually cause the friction in between the two little uh, circuits. So that way it actually starts the car. Well, if he's using the tape deck to start the car, how does he play his sweet tunes that we hear in a, in, in a couple of scenes? <laughs> well, it could be like that kid in the beginning. He's got that badass 80s boombox. That's yeah. in the, the most, the, the, the guy, because when I saw there was a boombox, I was like, oh, it's going to be like the bully. But it was the fat nerd, wasn't it? it was yeah. the... <laughs> Which, I, that's what I saw too. I'm like, that makes no sense. Like that's like like the fat nerd that's back there bumping the tunes as we're going by, and he's not really even bumping tunes. It's like still the Nightmare on Elm Street theme music that's playing while he's sitting back there. So he's busy pumping, you know, horror movie themes. Which maybe I do want to be friends with that kid after all. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think I'm thinking with you on that. So from picking up uh, Lisa here and then going to the school, we fade over and we see that it's now gym time, right? Or or PE time uh, there. And the girls are doing archery, which seems so much cooler than what the boys are doing. Like the boys are playing softball. And so we meet, uh, you know, what isn't his friend, at least here. And I guess he's kind of the bully, right? Would you say? Well, this is kind of, he can't figure out what he is. It's kind of like, he's the bully, but then he's his best friend. And then he's, uh, but again, it's kind of, kind of realistic in the fact that the guy you know when you see these sort of american high school films like the bully is just the bully mm-hmm. whereas in this it's kind of he teases him he bullies him but he gets some back and they kind of have a friendly rivalry essentially don't they they're not he's not a strict bully yeah. that you would get in a typical 80s high school film and and it definitely is one of those situations where like and, and in real life for some people you know they have people that they didn't get along with they get into a fight and then after they've fist fought you know as boys do then they become good friends you know like they they settle themselves and they basically realize oh hey you know and and this scene is kind of an example of what kind of goes on with that when he hits the fly ball right and then he's not paying attention because he's paying you know jesse's paying too much attention to lisa over there and her hot archery skills which again i probably would be paying attention to that too at this point 
but then he gets hit in the head with the fly ball, uh, which, you know, Ron, of course, gets his little dig in on him. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Well, pay attention next time. Very heads up play. Nice catch, Walsh. Come on, come on, let's go. So I would definitely say that he has got a lot of shit up his ass crack. <laughs> like the thing with that fight that they get into is like the, the first, so you, you're right with the whole, like the ribbing thing, right? So Ron gets him and hits him on the head and is like, Hey, nice, you know, heads up play. Cause it hit him in the head. Okay. Funny. I get it. And then he comes back and he says the same thing to him when he tags him out. And then the first thing that he does is pull down his pants. Yeah, um, it's kind of, did you, he's gone from wearing them massive tighty whities in that first scene to essentially a G-string in this scene. It's Uh, just a jockstrap. Like, I don't remember just wearing that for PE. Not if you're playing softball. No, no, I mean, I I get it's big and it might hurt, but (laughs) for the most part, it's probably not going to do anything to you. No, I mean we uh, we never had to wear them here. We never, you know, we, we're sort of the feeble Brits that we are. We never played sports that really required wearing them, um, unless you were one of the posh boys that went to the private schools where we played cricket. But you know, yeah, well, you know, we we never really did uh, anything that was really like we do, you know, softball or or something else, basketball or whatever. But it was never required of us, at least that I can remember, of one having to do, you know, wear a jockstrap but I still would have worn a pair of underwear over on top of the jock strap, not just had it because I used to play baseball, you know? And then two, uh, I, I would never be hitting the showers after everything was done uh, because, you know, people <laughs> fat guy that I am, I don't need everybody to see the fucking rolls that I had back then, uh, even though they probably weren't as bad as they are now. No, well, you, you say it was a jock strap, but you never see it from the front. So it could well, it could, it could well be a G-string. It could. Um, he could have been getting ready for his midnight job over at the uh, S&M club that he visits later on in the film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it's kind of... Um, it took me by surprise the first time that happened because you, sort of, you expect him to wrestle him, but but to to get a full-on R shot is... Oh, yeah. Was, oh, <laughs> okay. I, I, even in my notes, it says, Why? <laughs> like why why is that the thing that they decided to do that they decided that hey we're gonna do this you know we're gonna have this fight and i get it maybe it, you could chop it up to it being that it's just he was grabbing for something he was trying to pull him down and then he accidentally got the pants okay well you, you kind of think that, that, that yeah i mean you you could you kind of think that maybe they could have sort of played on it a bit more and if you're gonna pull the pants down do something where they end up wrestling and he ends up with his face in it you know it's almost sitting on his face as uh, 
oh god, this is going down a weird route, you know, isn't it? <laughs> um, but where did they get the impression that this had homoerotic undertones? I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. Where get this stuff. No, no, I, I don't. I don't get it. I don't know where it is, and especially <laughs> since in our, our next little scene, because you know they explain a little bit about their coach and what he likes to do and why he has them basically like planking out in the middle of the field. How much longer do you think he's going to keep us out here? It could be all night. The guy gets his rocks off like this. Hangs around queer S&M joints downtown. He likes pretty boys like you. Get out of here. So what about you and that rich baby been cruising to school with every day? What about her? Are you mounting her nightly or what? Look, Grady, you got some problem with me. No, bro. Just killing time. Okay, dirt balls, hit the shower. So you live around here or what? Yeah, my parents just bought a place on Elm Street. Elm Street? You tell me you moved to that big white house with the bars in the window? Yeah, what about it? Shit, you can tell your old man he's a real chump. What are you talking about now, Grady? Some chick was locked in there by her mother and she went crazy. She watched her boyfriend get butchered across the street by some maniac. You're full of shit, Grady. So, Coach is an S&M enthusiast, supposedly, uh, which we find out a little more later on in the film. Uh, And then we also have Lisa back there. She's just, like, eyeing him up and down as she's walking along the fence. That surprised the heck out of me. And then you've got more about what the house that they moved into. Yeah, you, 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 this is like one of the, the, the sort of first bits of backstory you kind of get. But were, were they supposed to be doing push-ups or planking? Because if it's planking, that's terrible form that they were doing in there. I, I think that they were supposed to be doing some sort of planking, like or at least holding the position. like So putting yourself into the push-up, the high push-up, and then holding it and not being able to release it. And then if you get pushed down, then you have to push yourself back up. Because I think that would be easier than planking if it's the, if it's the push-up one. I mean, I'm... Uh, I mean, look at me. I'm not a fitness expert by any means, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of every every school had that rumor about a teacher. Um, we had Mrs. Hornsby was 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 our um, well, she she wasn't a Mrs. Miss Hornsby was the uh, was the teacher at our school that all the rumors went around that she used to stare at the girls in the showers and everything. So um, there's always there's always one teacher that's got a reputation. Yeah, I, I don't remember if we had one. I think we had one in junior high school, which would be for us is uh, seventh, eighth grade um, would be kind of the imp- from our, our primary school to the high school. Uh, we had like a, an in-between school and there was uh, one coach that everybody thought that she was a lesbian and that she was spying on all the girls. It always happens to be the girl coach that does it. It's never the guy coach. And according to all of these movies I've ever seen, it's always the guy coach. It's never the lady coach that is the the problem. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They, we, thinking about that, we have some. We had several strange teachers at our school. That, that, that we had one, one one maths teacher that sort of disappeared over the summer because um, she used to she used to she used to make the uh, the class play strip maths. What um, the hell? <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was it was my first year of what we call secondary school. So up at uh, high school for, uh, for you and, and being a bit remedial at maths was, um, 
it was not a great game for me. Um, and she would, she was a big fat, big fat teacher, and she would just sit there and she would, she would give the smart kids like, well, yeah, what's six times five, and then it'd come to me, and I'd have to, you know, she'd throw at me, what's the, um, you know, three hundred and sixty-five divided by two hundred and ten, and and <laughs> I, I might as well just start removing clothes at this point. Um, but yeah, it just got to summer, and she never came back. So I'm, I'm assuming, I'm assuming word got out. <laughs> I, I would assume so, you know, when you're giving the hot kid or smart kid, what's one plus one, and then the hot kids get solved for X, I think there would be plenty of problems going on there. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, she used to sort of scream at us, you know, sort of, no, no, slow oh. down, slow down. That's that's nice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I got it wrong. I thought it was three. Well, no, you're okay. You're one of the smart kids. Don't. I don't want to see you. <laughs> you know, it's... It's uh, it, was, it was a curse of being such an attractive, um, uh, attractive twelve-year-old uh, boy that I was, you know. Oh man, that 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 is just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 greaser quiff I had when I was twelve and thirteen was uh, it used to it used to pull in all the ladies. Oh, it wasn't like a Travolta type of look, was it? Afraid so. Oh, oh no. Uh, so. <laughs> You know those haircuts where it was just plastered into place, just would not move. You could stand in a gale force wind and the hair would just not move because it was oh. three, can, three cans of spray on it. Just We, just... we call that as flock of seagulls hair around here. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was quite a look. Let's, let's put it that way. So the, now the coach is done torturing them and uh, staring at them as they're out on the field as well. And again, we learned finally some backstory to where it's going. We know that they bought the place and that there was something that happened in that place. And they're saying that the, the daughter was locked up and the mother, she went and she killed herself. And we know that the end of the first nightmare on Elm street really comes down to that. You know, she saves the day, all her friends are in the car and then it's a Freddy car and the mom terribly gets dragged through that window, um, which is, would be a shocking freaking scene to see it in the theater. But now that you can see it and you see how bad the doll is that they used, it's hilarious, right? But I know the first time you saw it, that would have been, oh man, that's that's killer. Like that's surprising that you know the bad guy kind of sort of wins uh, for that film. So I guess yeah, it was a it was kind of a, a first time I saw it. It was kind of like a it de- definitely shook me up a bit the first time I saw it because I hadn't really been in, in you know in indoctrinated into the world of of sort of that kind of ending in a horror film. So to see something like that, it was, it was, that was amazing. So the question then is, are they considering the canon of, if this is considered canon as well, that that puts Nancy and basically in a sane asylum and her mom truly did die at the end of the movie? Well, I, I kind of, I, I took it as written that the end, basically the end of, of that first one was essentially her having another nightmare like basically she'd gone nuts it was never mm-hmm. uh, the whole thing was in her head that's a whole ending so it's kind of it was left as an ambiguous kind of so it would make sense that yeah she she went nuts and her mum killed herself because that's her playing out her mum dying and her going a bit loopy um at the end of the first film but um yeah i mean it's it's kind of it's almost as if they sort of went shit we need to throw in something about 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 the title in Mm-hmm. And so that's where we kind of switch like gears for a moment. And we then see 
basically kind of a nightmare of Jesse's, right? Because he gets up and he walks through the house and then he goes outside because he thinks he hears something. And then he looks down into his basement and that's where he sees Freddie playing with the boiler. And it's, it's weird because like at that moment, like, I don't know if I'd necessarily go back into the house or decide that I'm going to go down there or I'd go and try to find somebody like there's some random dude in my house. Like the thing I'm going to do is not wake anybody up, you know, considering where they are, they, you know, especially with Lisa's dad, they probably have guns hidden somewhere. Go get dad, go get everybody together and then go downstairs and face, but nope, he's going to go downstairs, go back into the house. And he's going to see that Freddie is there basically kind of looking along. And then as he tries to get away uh, and close the door, that's where he's approached by Freddie for the first time. Daddy can't help you now. I need you, Jesse. We got special work to do here, you and me. You've got the body. I've got the brain. I absolutely love that. The way that it looks, the way that that scene is done, it's fantastic. Well, I think um, that's where that's where the special effects budget went. I think. Um, oh yeah. They, they they originally, I think, Freddie was supposed to stick one of his uh, knives like into his mouth uh, as like an, an another um, sort of hint at the sort of undertones of the film. But I think I think Mark Patton wasn't comfortable doing it. Um, I can they, understand they why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it would have made the scene a lot more. Dis- I mean, it's quite it's a great scene anyway, but it would have made it like really, really disturbing if he had started sort of <laughs> finger fucking his mouth. It would have, it would have made it quite a lot more creepy, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, here you sure? No, it's going to be okay. These are totally dull. We're just going to slide <laughs> it in and out for just a bit. You going to finger fuck my mouth? What? <laughs> I didn't agree to that. That's not in the script. Shh, just take it. <laughs> but it's it's again it's i think that overall the performance that uh you know robert england does in this is fantastic i i really like the way that he plays this scene again it's it's scary creepy freddy it's not you know jokey freddy and i i love that when he just rips off you know top of his head and exposes his brain and you can see it pulsing and he's kind of like pointing at it and it, it just it's freaky enough and it's, it's well done enough to where I feel like it still holds up. I mean, I've I've said it before, practical effects are King whenever it comes to any of these horror movies. And this is one of those scenes and, and a later scene where it does get a little silly, but I really like the way the scene plays out between, you know, Jesse and Ron that happens later on in the film. Uh, But it's, this holds up still. I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love, practical effects is still one of my one of my favorite things again which is why i like kind of a lot of the lower budget stuff because they kind of have to rely on on doing it there because they can't afford the cgi so um but this was done really really well it's it's 
it, where he sort of peels it off with that brains pulsating um looks absolutely fantastic still um and and the whole sort of vibe of it really creepy and it kind of it's where you get your first kind of understanding about okay well this is, this is not freddy doing what he did in the first one mm-hmm. this is this is freddy looking to take over jesse and and do it through him as opposed to coming back in dreams and um like he did in the first film and it's definitely him trying to like groom jesse too like he's definitely he's you know He's not letting him leave the situation. He's scaring him, but he's also like showing him what the importance of, and he's blatantly telling him, I need your body. Like, this is it. I, that's what I want. You know, it's not about um, him. Like, you know, like you said, just being the, I'm going to kill this guy or we're jumping into other people's dreams and he's just running around. No, he has something. And that's again, where the whole subtitle of Freddy's revenge doesn't make so much sense it would be more like freddy's possession would probably be a better fit to this type of movie yeah again it's it's, it's a very odd um title for the film but um whether that was an afterthought or not i don't know um or that was what it was originally called and they just never went back and changed it well because you know how films go they they rewrite mm-hmm. they they reshuffle everything yep. during so whether things changed but the title never did all right well we've done this whole fucking movie um you guys want to change the channel? Nah, fuck it. Let's just move on. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's, how, that's, that's how I work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we, we cut over to the next morning. We see that Jesse, he's not gotten a whole lot of sleep, right? Because he's been there and he's, he had the nightmare with Freddie. And so he's sitting in his class and you've got the professor or the teacher. He's up in front and he's given a lesson about, you know, the human heart or, or is it like a like a cow's heart? Basically, he's I, comparing it to a human heart. Yeah, I think I think it's a cow's heart because I think he's talking about di- di- the digestive system of, of whatever animal it is. Yeah, um, and then he does mention just like the human heart after he after he pulls the heart out of a who keeps a heart in a drawer? Like, I don't know. You know, I'm pretty psychopath, sure that a, psychopaths a, psychopaths keep hearts in oh, drawers. And that that guy looks really familiar too. Like I don't think that he's really somebody but he looked like somebody else that i've seen in another movie before i just can't yeah, I, put I, a finger on it i i think he, he he may well have made a career about being sort of generic teacher guy yeah it, it it kind of reminded me of the principal from back to the future just for a second if he had hair yeah yeah no, <laughs> i don't even uh but so he basically continues teaching the class and we see jesse he's nose dozing off now i don't know if this is dream coming into reality or if this was the boys playing a trick on him like because he gets like a snake on his back that starts to like roll up on him and ron looks his way and he's like oh and he kind of gives that get a little of him he's falling asleep in class type of like thing but i don't know if anybody puts the snake on him or if that snake like is coming from his dreams and that is being like kind of attached there and comes into reality the the, the, well you 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 notice after after the he he wakes up up screaming again as usual um, (laughs) with (laughs) with the snake that the teacher he takes it off him and and he heads towards there is a cage on the side of the Mm -hmm. um on the side so i i think that that's it just escaped and um or whether it was a prank or not but um well, I mean, what I liked about that, that scene was, was again, that with the, the characters is is that when they're all laughing at him for screaming, 
he does that thing where he sort of you, normally the bully uh, Ron would be you know it would be a bully but the, but but um, but Jesse just sort of laughs at him and gives him the finger doesn't he like yeah um, it's a, again that's kind like, of what would happen uh, if you know if like that type of thing. Yeah, it's like if you're friends with some friendly with somebody, but they annoy you. Like that's the sort of thing you would do is sort of just laugh back at them and give them the finger. Yeah, pretty much. You would just be like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, thanks for helping me." That like that type. Of, it would be like a sarcastic, like, "Oh yeah, yeah go stick it up your ass" type thing. Yeah, you know. And it's funny too with the, the teacher here. He's like, "Oh, if you want to play with animals, you know," and like the snake was wrapping itself around his neck. Um, in your snake, if it's your snake and it got lost, like loose in the room, isn't it? Shouldn't you be more worried about the the student? The student's not trying to play with a fucking snake, right? Well, the also, snake. also the size of the snake that wraps around him and the size of the snake the teacher takes off him are very, very different. Um, the one that wraps around him is massive because you can see oh, yeah. there's a shot, a sh- an overhead shot where he's ho- he has to hold it. He's pretending to be asleep, but you can see him. That's he's holding it um, um, to keep it steady. But then when the teacher grabs it, it's this tiny, tiny little boa constrictor. But the one that's on him is huge. Yeah, well, you know, it's not as big as the ones that uh, got a hold of J-Lo and John Voight, so. No, no, <laughs> no. But again, this might lead back to maybe it was part dream, part re- reality. Whereas the one that was on him was was, was kind of in his dream. But, but they, 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 they sort of don't allude to that at all. It might have just been a continuity error. <laughs> well, that or it's just you know it's the precursor to giving him a bad accent later on in the movie. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, he has that that experience, and then we go to the next day, and that's where we get a scene of uh, lovely Lisa in the pool, and she gets a you know this is a precursor to something else that's going to happen uh, in just a moment that we will talk about. But we see her get the phone call. And uh, then she's going to, well, Jesse's supposed to be heading over to her place. Lisa, sweetheart. There's a Jesse on the phone. Okay. Thanks, Mom. Jesse? Hi. Where are you going, Jess? Just out for a little while. I told you I want that room unpacked. Dan, I'm just going out no. for an hour or two. Upstairs. Right now, son. Right now. So, Lisa's a little sunburned as well as a bit nipply. I can't tell which one is worse. <laughs> well, yeah, the, 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 maybe it's just my age now, but, but, but the fact that her mum comes out and says... The, you know, Jesse's on the phone, and it's like she, she had the phone right there. It's like, why didn't you answer the phone yourself, you lazy bitch? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's kind of the grumpy old man in me. It's just like she just well, let that damn thing ring when she was right next to it. Well, you know, he probably wasn't the the right number. Maybe it was a different number that he had. But then she is able to answer it. So yeah, she's pretty much just a lazy bitch, not being able to to hear the phone ring like. Well, maybe she's got it on vibrate out there, and you know she's in the pool. Can't quite tell what's going on. Vibrate in nineteen eighty-five. <laughs> I don't know what fancy fancy house you grew up in. <laughs> well, we also called it pulse dialing, where you had the rotary and it vibrate as. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I remember those. <laughs> God, that makes me feel old. Um, 
with the the, the 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 long the long curly wire that used to go into the phone that would, oh, that would stretch Christ. stretch about thirty yards. Yeah, yeah. We had ones that were um, Jesus Christ because it could reach from the kitchen to the living room uh, that we had in our house growing up, and that thing had to be at least thirteen feet, something like that. And then when it would hang up, we'd have to like wrap it around the phone on the wall twice because otherwise it would hang into the dog dish on the bottom well, of the floor. <laughs> well, my my dad was a my dad was a phone engineer, and he he um, he used to go apeshit if you stretch the wire out. So he was he was like you know you, you couldn't walk more than sort of four four feet away from the phone, or he'd just shout at you, "You're stretching the cord." <laughs> So he he wouldn't have he wouldn't have it he would not have one of those thirteen foot long it had to be it had to be tight and it had to be you know it had to be at all times you know like a a nice a good um, standard length and so she had a wireless phone in eighty five we didn't get a wireless like wall phone till about ninety three ninety four I think that's when we finally got one in the house and it was nice one of those nice combos where it was both an answering machine and a wireless phone. So you know we were balling back in those days. It was yeah, but I mean wireless to the to the extent of um, you could go about twenty feet before yeah. it just started crackling, and then you had to try and find one of the hubs to go and stand there. But um, you know back back then that was you know yeah, that was fancy, wasn't it? I know it's like kind of those people that had those car phones, you know, that cost you you know about seven hundred dollars a minute <laughs> to talk on, uh, but it was cool if you had it in your car and you couldn't be driving too fast because otherwise the reception was absolutely terrible. Well, I, I remember, oh God, this is embarrassing, but when I was, I would have been about 16, uh, no, 17, because I could drive. Um, like my my mum had got a mobile phone and nobody really had mobile phones back then. And, and she, and uh, I, I was going for a day out. Um, I was going out to the zoo on my own. I, I don't know why. Um, but I, I, I took the car and I t- she let me have the mobile phone. And because I sat in there, I found the most crowded place I could. And I just, op- I wasn't talking to anybody. I just opened the phone and sat there on it, pretending I was talking. Just, just so all the girls would look at me like, like I was a little r- rich kid. I was just, just, yeah, 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 yeah. Doing my best Ernie Hudson from, um, from, from, is it Congo? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Just talking like a, talking like a British Airways pilot. Was, um, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, phones. Um, yeah, especially not an eighty-five. Having I know that's it, it, and for it to have that range to go out by the pool and to be able to, you know, I guess they these people have a massive fucking house too. Like, if she's in the same neighborhood as <laughs> Jesse is, like she has the McMansion on that neighborhood. It's probably you know five stories tall. It takes over a hundred acres. And then his is like the little shitty two bedroom house that's over there. Or th- I'm sorry, it's got to be at least three because Angela has her own room too in that house, uh, two floors, but no backyard and barely a front yard. And she's just own fucking swimming pool back there. Yeah, with with the pool house. I mean, that, like like the scene that comes up a bit later on. There's like 300 people out the back. Yeah, it's huge. When when probably the most famous scene from this movie happens, she's just fucking balling back there it's it's ridiculous in the fact that as we'll talk about a little more her parents allow her to have this party with all the cutest guys um you know it's it doesn't make much sense and again maybe it's my age but i started thinking those are terrible fucking parents (laughs) well yeah i mean uh, all the cute guys but but where we are invites yeah well you know every once in a while uh 
<laughs> especially in 85, I would have been quite young. I think that's the year that my wife was born. And, uh, Ooh, okay. <laughs> that was the year that I was probably about five. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I would have been seven, six yeah. or seven. And I, I could, I, I could have probably, probably, you know, done all right. Yeah. I think it would have still been fine. They would have viewed me as not threatening. Look at the cute five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then, then, then you saw, saw what Jesse was packing in his trunks and I would have, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, five year old me cannot compare to that. But a forty two forty two year old me can't compare with Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently so, apparently that's something that never stops growing. So uh, <laughs> Yes. So God God knows what he looks like now. <laughs> oh man, he's he probably looks like my boss's zucchini that he was growing. Showed us these zucchinis that were hard with a virtual background. But they were quite quite large, and that's probably where he would be nowadays. And boss's zucchini is not a euphemism for anything else, okay? <laughs> no, my mind definitely didn't go there. <laughs> so, Jesse, he's trying to go out, right? He's trying to go get him some, because he's trying to develop this relationship with Lisa. Again, we don't know how they know each other. We don't know how he's driving or why he's driving her to school every day. And we also don't know why, if he's been like this with her for so long, he has included in that she probably likes him, right? So what does he have to do instead? He has to clean his room. And this scene, this scene in the movie, um, I'm going to let you describe it because I just can't. Uh, this, <laughs> this is just terrible. Um, it's, mm, <laughs> it's, <laughs> uh, well, I, let me just, it's probably the best way to describe it is basically a gay version of Batman tooling up. It's, I think that's <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it just needed the music in there. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I mean, I mean, when I'm doing all my housework, do you, do you not, do you not listen to, listen to the music, that kind of music and pretend to masturbate with a, um, I could, what was it? Was it like a pop or it was some sort of? It, it, I don't know whether it was a, it, a, squash, a squash racket or. It, it, it is a. Um, I don't know how, what to call it exactly, but it's one of those things where it's like you pull the bottom of it and then the ball pops out the top. It's got a ball on yeah, the string. Yeah, it, it, it did have so, a pop so, thing because I thought it was an added effect, a little pop thing. Cause, no, um, it's. It's definitely, it's almost like those old school, like, uh, guns that you would have seen in, like, the 40s or 30s that kids would play with, where they're the pop guns, right? So they would they would fire them, and the little rubber ball would just pop out, but then it would fall to the ground so that they could pretend that they were shooting at people, but they weren't firing BBs or buckshot or whatever kids back in the 40s and 30s would be firing at people, you know, not not too up on my kids' history there. But uh, but that's basically what he's doing. And the fact that he's got to, like, he's got to put on the hat, put on those terrible shades. The, the, and this is like, you know, if it was, it's, it's terrible to say, but an even gayer version of, of Tom Cruise's dance in Risky Business, right? That's exactly what this is. They, they saw Risky Business and they were like, how could we make this more gay? Like, and not gay, I'm not trying to use that in a derogatory term, but just make it more homosexual than it needs to be. Like, we're trying to put forward this point. And some people are just going to think, man, this is a, I don't know, a fun scene, silly scene. And other people are going to be like, 
what the fuck am I watching? Well, yeah, I mean, I had to look it up to see if he actually was sort of pretending to masturbate with it. But um, but yeah, it actually says in on, on the wiki that he, that he was, and also the 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 bag in his ass, bag in his butt three times on the uh, to close the drawer. Um, I, I, I kind of, I oh god, it's gonna. I, I was gonna say I quite enjoyed this scene. It was, it's, it's it's silly. Kind of a, yeah, I mean it's 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 a in an eighties film. The amount of times an eighties film they've had this type of scene. Um, no, no, obviously not, not, not masturbating with a with a pop gun, but but that kind of dress up, cheesy music, have a dance, do your chores. That was quite a common thing uh, in eighties films. So, and um, I could definitely say that maybe this is more like a parody of that stuff. I I, I kind right? of think that's what they were going for was a kind of which know, this is a, hor- a horror film. You need a bit of you need to lighten it a little bit. I think exactly. it's kind of a. Let's let's just do something silly here. Hey, let's parody one of those things because he doesn't really want to clean his room and he's got the music. But I th- I would think that they would play different type of music that they would do a little bit different. Like if he's jumping around the room, but it's just it's so awkward. And that's where also kind of in the middle of him jumping around. So uh, you guys are here in this clip. You're going to get a little bit of the music. Right, we're gonna get something fun to watch because I included something in there in the beginning, and then that's where he gets interrupted by uh, his girl or Lisa. Uh, and yeah, L- let's just uh, go through the clip real fast. Yes, I'll leave the two of you alone. Excuse me. I I told her you invited me over. I guess maybe I should have called. No. (laughs) It's fine, really. I mean, I was just cleaning my room. I know. I, I figured you might like some help. Okay. So you notice that he's got that weird sign on his door, too, that says, um... No out of town chicks. <laughs> That's what it says right there. And, and then the chicks, it, I don't know what the eye is covering because that's obviously it's covering something. But what would be the letter that you'd put there? You can't, I, I don't yeah. know what it, like what it, it can't be checks. Oh, maybe it's checks. That makes the most sense. Yeah, um, or yeah, I was going to say if if the H and I had been covered, it could have been another one of those subliminal <laughs> sub, subliminal things that that, that that yes comes up in this film. But um, yeah, I mean, this is kind of a oh, I don't know, it's a kind of a no. Honestly, I'm straight. <laughs> kind of kind of <laughs> things that they put on there. It's like yeah, I'm a, I'm a boy. No, no fat chicks or you know, no yeah. chicks here. Look at me, I'm a dude. I like girls. But no out of towners. <laughs> like well, the is thing I noticed an out of towner too. <laughs> exactly. But the, the thing I noticed about this the, the scene before where he gets told to go up to clean his room, mm-hmm. where was he going? Because I'm assuming he was going to meet her. Correct. But then he just walks up and so this would have been like twenty minutes later and she's turned up. So where was the where was the communication that he said, Oh, actually I can't come, I've got to tidy my room because she's just saying that now he's gone, Oh, we're just tidying my room. She goes, Yeah, I know. But, yeah, n- no idea. 
Because in between him just going upstairs, I don't know, maybe he has a phone in his room and he called her real fast. Oh, I'm sorry. I actually can't go. I got to tidy my room. And Or she just figured that, uh, you know, wait, he's, he hasn't shown up yet. He must be stuck doing stuff in his room. I'm going to go check up on him. Well, but, I mean, yeah. I mean, if, that, that, if, 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 if your girl's going to be doing that, she's a keeper, isn't she? I mean, yeah. you know, none of this and, sort of throwing a, throwing a hissy fit. You haven't turned up. Where the fuck have you been? I had to come to your house and deal with your bullshit. And then I see you here dancing. What the fuck? And you're dancing to this music of let me touch you up. Let me see your man. What the fuck is going on here? I just like the fact that that when he was simulating the the, the masturbate, it popped just as his mum walked in. (laughs) It's just like like every every guy's worst nightmare, isn't it? That's right. (laughs) That you finally found yourself some alone time in your house, you know, and your, your parents are home. And then you've got the music turned up so that way they can't hear whatever you might be watching because, you know, you've got that hidden box of porno underneath your bed that never comes out except for when nobody's home. (laughs) And it's always stuck on one specific scene because that's the only scene that you like in the goddamn porno that you're watching. Right. And so and then all of a sudden here she comes popping in and at the right time or or it's the time that that you're popping and there's a giant cock on the screen at the same time. And so they think that you're watching gay porn, not just regular porn. <laughs> it's like no, nobody needs to finish in front of their mum, do they? Like, mum! <laughs> splash! Just as like... Just, I mean, I mean it, it kind of reminds, reminds me of a... Everybody, everybody knows. It's like the, the urban myth about there's always yeah. some... Everybody knows that friend of a friend that apparently had their headphones on and was masturbating and woke up and found out their mum had left a cup of tea and biscuits next to the bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh god that would just be the worst i i, I remember finding oh god i hope my dad never listened to this um i <laughs> i i remember finding my dad's stash in in i'd left home at i'd left home at this point and i'd gone back to i think my car was getting serviced so i i had the keys still and so i went into the house and i found his stash in the cupboard and um i i <laughs> i started to watch it um one of the you know one of the better scenes and he came back and i panicked and i hit the eject button and it pulled all the all the tape got tangled up in, oh, the, no. in the vhs player so my dad's kind of putting his gold clubs down and getting sort of i'm trying to pull all this this tape out and trying to wind it up oh god oh god like, i don't know what would be worse whether him walking in with me holding the porno tape or him walking in with me getting the porno tape put away but having my dick out i don't know <laughs> I don't know what would be worse, but uh, luckily he had to go back out of the car, and I just it just binned it into the into the um, into the back of the wardrobe, and then and then just ducked into the bathroom. <laughs> just sort of sat there reevaluating my my terrible life choices. <laughs> just, oh, you're a disgusting man, Neil. You're a disgusting man. <laughs> So I probably needed some like Mission Impossible music playing while you were giving that story. <laughs> Oh, it's one of those that you know. Another day in another multiverse, I got caught red, red-handed, literally. <laughs> Just well, bad. you know, at least if if your you know your folks had caught you during that while you were doing that, uh, then at least you could say, "Well, hey, at least it works." <laughs> you <know>? yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. have to worry about me. Um, <laughs> it kind of brings up the question: Would it be better to be caught by your dad or your mum? Because your dad does it. Not your dad. I'm not accusing your dad specifically, no. <laughs> but dad's in general. Oh, what are you saying about my papa? Uh, no. 
I think it would be better to be caught by your mom than your dad. Because I think that your mom is not going to be a snitch and she ain't going to say shit. Where your dad, he's probably end up, he's going to say something. You know, when you're not around, he's going to, you know, you know what I found Brian doing the other day? You know, maybe we have to have a talk yeah. with him about what's going on. And then you have to have the awkward birds and bees talk where your mom's supposed to be like, okay, every boy does it. It's disgusting. Just don't let me see you doing it again. You know, at least that would be my mom, you know, if she ever caught yeah, me. Well, I'm think- pretty sure that our parents knew at some point, you know. Uh, yes yeah i mean you you don't live at home for 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 20 your first 20 21 years or whatever it is and and not have a few narrow squeaks um when you're trying to get a bit of alone time but um your dad would be the sort of person that that he'd take it one one or two is he'd either do what you said or he would just rib you about it constantly and like you'd be at the family barbecue and he'd blurt out you know (laughs) Uh, uh, it blew out something across the barbecue to everybody that was there. He'd be talking about the size of the the hot dogs on the grill, and he'd yeah. make some stupid joke about exactly. your dick size because yeah. you know that's what he, you know. <laughs> he'd hand you a, a one of those little little tiny chipolata yeah. type sausages and make like some little Vienna sausages there. And yeah. You'd be like, yeah, this looks about what the, what you were doing with it, huh? Yeah, <laughs> shake it in your face or something like that. So you have one of the, there's two types of dads. My dad would have been the other one where I think we need to have a talk with Brian about, you know, what life is and how everything goes. You know, that would have been my dad. My dad wouldn't be the one to to, to joke with me because my dad, like, it took him forever to swear in front of me. I mean, forever. It wasn't until really I did it for the first time in front of him when I was like 22, you know, because, and, and I've had a terrible mouth since I was probably about 15. Uh, but around my folks, it's always been like, I'm going to watch what I say because that's my parents and I respect my parents. But when I'm with my friends, uh, you know, uh, only Ben can give me a run for my money uh, for the most part. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's very liberating, isn't it? The first time you as an adult, you you, oh, yeah. of, you swear in front of your parents and they just laugh or like they, they'll laugh with you about something. Like my because my, um, my mom, my mom started. She never used to swear around me until I was about 16. As soon as I sort of got to about sixteen, she would drop F's and C's and and all sorts. Um, but my dad, my, my dad, he doesn't. I've only ever heard him swear a few times when he's really mad or upset about something. But yeah, it's quite liberating. I, 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 I kind of, I quite enjoy it now. Just being able to, to to not sort of check myself when I'm talking to my to my parents. So. To get back on track, um, from going Sorry, from, <laughs> from from masturbating to parents finding you masturbating to swearing, um, <laughs> we, we, so what, we're what's ten, going we're on? Ten, we're already ten minutes into this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Um, so he's basically he's gotten his uh you know he got his rocks off and his dancing and was caught, and uh, so she decides to start helping him clean the room. And that's when she finds something very peculiar still in his closet. What's this? I don't know. Looks like a diary to me. Nancy Thompson, 1428 Elm Street. That's right here. You know, this thing is five years old. You know her? Uh-uh, no, before my time. Wait, listen to this. Sometimes when I'm lying here in bed, I can see Glenn in his window across the way getting ready for bed. 
His body is slim and smooth, and I know I shouldn't watch him, but that part of me that wants him forces me to. That's when I weaken. That's when I want to go to him. Can I see that? March 15th. He comes to me at night, horrible, ugly, mm. dirty, under the sheets with me, tearing at my nightgown <laughs> with his steel claws. His name is Fred, and he keeps trying to take me to the boiler room. He wants to kill me. What is it? Tina is dead. Jess, are you okay? It's just something that Grady said to me. About the girl that used to live here. How she went crazy when she saw her boyfriend get murdered across the street. So, that book is extremely dusty. And how he did not find it anytime sooner is way beyond me. No, also when when she when they read from it, Nancy never refers to him as Fred in the first film. So why no. she would write write that in a diary? It's kind of a bit odd. Um, it's kind of a fu- fundamental error. I don't think he's ever referred to as Fred, is he? No, I think he's always referred to as Freddy. And um, instead, he's I, I think multiple times in this he's referred to just as Fred. Like they're super cash with him. Hey, it's Fred. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 kind of um, it's it's kind of a, it's, it's you know again it's a good way of tying in to the first one and um, but yeah, how he didn't find that book because he put all his hats up there. You can see his fedoras are all up there and and a few other things. So how how they've missed that, I don't know. So are we calling uh, Jesse the original neckbeard? Is that what's going on with him? All the <laughs> yeah. fedoras and he's probably got some trench coats in that closet. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of things in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and nothing that we're going to uh, suggest that the no. movie hasn't already. <laughs> no, I think I think the movie's made it perfectly clear, but um, yeah, no need to suggest anything. So from here, he goes back and he wakes up once again, and he does like a little bit of. Well, I guess he kind of just like gets into another situation that Freddie kind of puts him in, right? Like he he goes down back down to the boiler room. And he looks inside the boiler, and I'm like, if you're if the heat is so bad for you, why are you going to reach your hand into something that could be causing like all the heat to be there, right? But instead, <laughs> he finds the the Freddy glove. He finds his glove, and then Freddy basically approaches him and says that he wants him to kill for him, right? Yeah, I mean, they they, they this is where they sort of let's just cut to the chase now. Let's just let's just tell everybody what Freddy wants to do. Um, yeah. But again, no, nobody in that house seems to be very good at finding anything, do they? Like, no. His dad seems to be like Mr. Meticulous because he's always referring to this needs to be tidy, that needs to be tidy, yet has left a, a whole cabinet in the basement <laughs> just with with the glove in. Yeah. Everything is just... The, the, they don't do a very good job of organizing that basement either because the moment he turns around to run away from Freddy, he trips and he falls on the ground. Bitch is always tripping over shit. <laughs> you know it's it's so ridiculous that and, and just the way that he falls too is like he 
must have done that that fall purposely in slow motion because you can obviously tell or it's rewound because it's like him pushing himself like to get up I, I i doubt it's rewound but it's definitely like careful i'm falling onto the ground yeah i mean i don't think i've ever just turned around and fallen over something um, and if i have it's i don't go down gracefully like that it's a it's basically like an octopus crashing into things it's um yeah it's a very dainty little oh that kind of oh no kind of sort of lying down which again i'm whether this actual whole thing was written was actually supposed to be written for a female character or not i don't know but it just seems again this is how you know he's he is referring to himself as the original scream queen because because he's he's basically doing every every sort of final girl trope going isn't he yeah and we can see the the quick little scene that uh where he does tell him to kill for him and and you can see like again how Robert England performs Freddy very well in this film. Go ahead, Jesse. Try it on for size. Kill for me. I do like that face that he gives too when like he decides to not do anything with it. He just sort of like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, again the, Mark Patton's acting is really, really good in this. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the weird thing is because he doesn't, this movie that he claims to be the reason why he doesn't act ever again. Only movie he's done. He's never tried to do anything else. And I think that he's actually next to Robert England. He's the best thing in this movie. Like, he yeah, plays this yeah. character well. Yeah, I mean, considering, like, all the, the sort of uh, the, the themes that are going on in the, in, in, in the film, the, the sort of um, confusion about about how he was written, how things are going, he holds a real solid performance amongst all that. So, um, you know, and for, and, for, and for all this time, I, I thought he was straight. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's, that's the thing that, like, goes to mind. Like, I know that there's the connotations that are there, but... At watching this again, I'm like, well, I want to see if I can actually see it. And maybe it's just because I think the performance is so good. And I don't really, I notice the nuances and certain things. And I'm like, well, that could be taken this way, like the way that it's done. But I feel that the way that like the characters are the, like you said, the relationship between Jesse and Lisa, like it, it doesn't lead me down that path. It just leads me to, okay, this character is kind of, and like you said, it's reacting as though, somebody would in that situation would react i don't see it as gay or straight i just see it as oh shit it wasn't until i sort of read uh, it was it was reading a lot of the stuff about this film that that it's like really and then when i watched it it it's like oh Oh, i see i I mean the 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 the, if you took out the screaming which Mm -hmm. he does in this I, i would have never clocked that it was supposed to have undertones like that so he has this confrontation once again with freddie and then that's where the next morning he wakes up and he does the good old walk and talk with uh, Lisa. And she also explains about her party coming up. Maybe you were having premonition or something, you know, like uh, with the guys who help police solve crimes and find missing people. You ever had anything like this happen before? No, nope, never. You think that's what it is? I don't know. Can I have some diary for a little while? Thanks. 
Hi, Karen. I got your invitation for the party this yeah. weekend. Any cute guys going to be there? All of them. <laughs> Is your dad going to be the DJ again? Mom's been trying to keep him upstairs this time. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> last party I had, my dad insisted on playing Benny Goodman records all night. I'll see you later. Okay, so there's the little peck on the cheek at the end. Yet we don't really still know, are they dating or are they not? Though, it's... Um... Again, I quite like the scene, the way the way this the, their whole relationship kind of plays out. Mm-hmm. Again, this is another. I mean, I I didn't get any pecks on cheeks at school, so but it, it, to me, this feels like a much more realistic kind of slow build up to. It, you know, there's always there's the sort of couples at sort of school and college and stuff that that kind of just are just together. There's no kind oh, yeah. of special event that, that triggers it. It's, just like the, the way they're written here, it's just they they are just together. It's just that, that that's just it. You always see them together. They always hang out together. They're you know whether or not they you don't sometimes maybe you don't know that they're a couple, but you always kind of think of them as a couple every time that you see them there. And then how she even says like you know when her friend asks her, are there going to be any boys there? Oh, all the cute ones. It's like is he she trying to make him jealous? Or is she, are they not together? And so that's why she's saying those things. Or is she like hinting that making sure that he's going to be there? Cause he's, she's considering him one of the cute girls, cute guys. I mean, not girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, she, you know, she actually, she does look at him when she says all the girls, you know, like, yeah. So I'm, yeah. I mean, it might just be a, you know, that's just making sure he's going to go like, just, um, just, just lay in the seeds that, you know, you you better turn up because all the hot guys are going to be there. That's right. And can I say too that I absolutely love like all the extras in this movie. Like, there's a lot of like the way that they move and the way that they kind of present themselves. Like at the beginning of the scene, you have those two with those giant white fucking smiles. Like they're just clear, like stretching their teeth as far out as they possibly can, so that you notice their teeth. And then later on, there's the one guy in like the line of the lunchroom. And he looks like your typical 80s comedy slob guy. <laughs> but like they, they do, it's such a minor thing. But I love all the way the background extras like look and how they're set up in all of the scenes. Yeah, my, my favorite. Did you, did you notice the two people run into each other at the start of that scene? Where oh, yes. It knocks her folders everywhere. But my favorite background extra we had, it's already been, it was the, the, uh, the, the cleaner. The, the, mm. the cleaner in the, in, the, in, the, in the showers when they were getting changed. Just I called him the, the, the nevermind guy. Yeah, just slowly <laughs> sweeps as he goes across the screen and disappears off the other side. Yeah, it's a, or I should say, smells like Team Spirit uh, janitor <laughs> there, or you could even smells like Nirvana janitor because I think it was well, the same I, guy. Th- th- he, he caught my attention so much that I actually had to stop and have a proper look, thinking because you know sometimes they sneak into at least eggs where it turns out that that will be Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. in the background. And I was stopping and just having a real look, but it wasn't. It was just a. A, a, a wonderful background extra because i think starting with uh, i want to say starting with like dream warriors is where they really started kind of putting robert england just randomly in the films so like that but he actually is considered to be freddie during that scene hmm. it's just maybe you don't think about it don't realize it right away so yeah 
we, we see that there's a party scheduled later. She's now got the diary. They managed to clean that diary really well too, by the way, because it was like almost white with dust and here it's perfectly red leather. You know, they must've treated it, gotten some, you know, nice stretching out of it. You know, maybe they wrote a little more in it, but Lisa, she really wants to find out more of what's going on with Nancy's life. So we go from here, we go back into the locker rooms and we see that he's talking with, uh, with, What's his, Ron? I, I don't know why I always forget that guy's name. Because uh, they call him Grady sometimes. They call him Ron in other parts of the film. But they basically, they're out there doing more softball. He's fucking up, and Snyder gets on top of him, the coach. And then they go back, and he talks shit about Snyder. And, of course, just like everybody's worst nightmare when you're talking shit about somebody, that person shows up, and then he forces them once again to plank out in the field. Uh now, next probably comes one of my favorite scenes just for how ridiculous it ends. And that's the scene with the birds. And they're all sitting around. The family's like hanging out. Everything's cool. Everything's kosher. They put the, the cover over the bird cage. But you know, only weirdos own birds. So that's just the way that it goes. Um, and so they're sitting there. And all of a sudden, the birds start going crazy when Jesse shows up. And then the bird, you they take off the thing, and the one bird is just murdering the other bird. <laughs> like, it's got it by the neck, and it's, like, trying to chop its head off. It's yeah, so I mean, I know, I, know, I know Budgie's a vicious little bastard, so, so yeah, I, I can kind of... Um, I, I've seen, well, not to that extent, but my, my, my grand used to own them, and they were... There would all be one little snidey little sod that would uh, that would start attacking the other one but yeah she uh, it goes full on crazy this one um yeah it, it flies around the room dive bombs after them uh and eventually it just spontaneously combusts <laughs> and it's just like it's almost i don't know if you've ever seen birdemic shock and awe um but it reminds me of that just for a second how the bird is flying there for a second and then it just explodes <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple of sort of sort of strange shots like that. There's the one where the bird flies past the dad's the dad's face, and he uh-huh. reacts about five seconds after the thing would have happened. <laughs> um, just some some classic '80s sort of editing on the fly. But um, yeah, it's just it's a it's again it's a really odd scene because it it doesn't seem to be triggered by anything other than the house being warm. There's yeah, there's there's no. It's almost like they're sort of saying. It's the house because I think they were for a while they insinuated that it was the house that was that was sort of Freddie's kind of um, base of operations. But I think it was it was sort of later on they decided that no, we're just going to make it sort of dreams. But I, I think they were still trying to sort of insinuate that the house is kind of haunted by by Freddie. And that would make a lot of sense if they were trying to do like more of an anthology type of thing, right? But Freddie being the common denominator between everything so it would be oh somebody else is now moving in this house and now they're haunted by freddie in some way shape or form you know that would make total sense if that's where they were going because that's kind of what they're saying in this they bought the house so now they're being haunted by freddie yeah but they they kind of allude to it and then just do nothing with it so again whether this was a a, during the rewrite process lots of stuff got got dropped maybe but 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 maybe this is what he's getting revenge on like those were his birds and he didn't want them captured inside of a cage. And so he forced one to blow up. I, I don't know. Maybe the birds stole his bird seed. I, I don't know. 
but once everything is done you have the the mother and the father especially the father and he tries to like rationalize the whole thing that went on what are you doing just to help me move this thing it isn't the gas don't tell me it's not the gas your mother thought she smelled gas well ken i thought i did i wasn't All right, sure what I... is it any bird rabies it's that cheap seed you've been buying. Oh, please, can you? No, it could it? be. It's got to be a rational explanation. I mean, animals just don't explode into flames for no reason, do they? That's right. All right. Well, it's sure not a leaky gas pipe. Oh, ah. You all right? Oh, it's all right. You set this whole thing up, didn't you? What are you talking about? You know damn well what I'm talking about. Who'd you use? Firecrackers? You know what he did? He used a goddamn cherry bomb. Oh, stop. That's what he did? Look, you can't talk to me like that. Jesse, come back here. Jesse? Ken, come back here, Jesse! Stop it, you're being ridiculous. That's Jesse! Stop it! Uh, okay. I, I don't know how he goes from, okay, it's a gas leak, something behind the stove, to, you did this. <laughs> It's, it's a hell of you. a leap. Yeah, it's a hell of a leap, isn't it? Like, just, the fuck just, he's gonna, how is he going to do the cherry bomb thing, too? Like, is he like, okay, I waited for the perfect time, shoved it up the bird's ass, and then it has this long-ass fucking wick that nobody can fucking see, and we're going to light this shit so that way we blow up the bird perfectly once it starts attacking <laughs> people. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really... Especially because that, that, that dad sort of never really comes across as that kind of that type of character it's kind of uh you know he's a, he's, a, he's a stickler for neat and tidiness but but you know the, the relationship that that, that the family have don't seem to sort of insinuate that at any point he's just gonna start accusing jesse of of, of doing anything like that but um it, no it doesn't make any sense because there's nothing that jesse has done to the parents like he hasn't been a bad kid right like is he worried because all of a sudden now that he's got like possibly a love interest that he's changing and that's a sign of the times like what what has he done that has made him about other than not putting away the shit that he needs to put away right away you know which again you know my mom she would get on us about doing those things like here's the laundry i've done the laundry you guys got to put it away into your drawers and it better be away soon but it wasn't enough for her to like be like something happened with the, a fish, you know, oh, you must have killed the fish. Like, okay, me not putting my laundry away killed the fish. It, you know, there's nothing, there, there's nothing to make this character turn like that. No, I mean, he doesn't, it's, it's not until maybe this next scene or the scene after, but he actually starts going a little bit crazy at this point in the film. He's, he's, he's just had a couple of nightmares. That's the only that's the only time he's acted weird is when he's having a nightmare. So it, maybe the scene was supposed to come later on. I don't know, but it's, it's, it's possible. And it could have come after the scene that's happening next, right? If that would have been the case, then I would have thought this makes sense after it's said and done. Because once we're done with this little thing, he has another nightmare, but he just kind of randomly leaves the house and ends up at the gay bar, the gay S and M bar that his coach goes to. Yeah, I mean, as you do. Just <laughs> I, honestly, I accidentally walked into this bar. I could have gone into. I I've walked past five bars. I know, I know, but I just happened to. This just looked nicer. That's the only yeah, reason just, I'm in it. I just prefer leather. I mean, yeah. that's just the way that it goes. 
<laughs> it, it, it looked cleaner. That's that's you know that, that's that's the only reason yeah. I came in here. <laughs> yeah, I figure you know a bunch of people they like sadomasochism, but they also like clean toilets. So hey, you know, some, some, sometimes you just want to hang out with other guys, don't you? It's, yeah. it's, just, it's just you know you don't want to go to a bar. You just want to hang out with the guys. That's all you yeah. want to do. And then, then what's up with the the glass they give them for the beer? Yeah. Like, <laughs> why don't they give them a pint glass? Like b- beer <laughs> pints beer pints like those two go together <laughs> like chocolate chips and cookies right yeah. it makes no sense they give him like uh like a like a, almost like a whiskey glass basically but it's not even that it's just like it's like a normal like half glass that you would get to like s- somebody doesn't want to make sure you don't have a whole glass of soda so they give yeah. you the half glass well i had to i had to rewatch it because i thought i'd missed something because he goes from that like you say he goes from that argument to just being in being in the gay bar and I'm, I was just like, if I, if I miss something, is is this cut off? I mean, I rented it from from Amazon, so it's like it can't be a dodgy copy. So I just go back and no, he does. He literally just just he, goes from that to gay bar. He, he literally that scene ends. He gets yelled at by his dad and he says no, and then he wakes up in the middle of the night with a nightmare and leaves the house. Like, but he does he does have the Freddy claw for like one second before he leaves, right? And he yeah. gets like a little like. Ooh, you know, go out for me, Jesse type thing. And then he does go out and he's at the gay bar. And then the coach catches him at the gay bar. And so what does the coach do? But makes him run laps in the gym. It's like, I'm going to take you back to the school. I'm going to make you run laps because you shouldn't be in an S&M gay bar. Does, yeah, but does a teacher have authority to make you do that out of hours? No. He could have just said, fuck you. I'm not doing this. Well, I mean, when when you when you used to meet your teachers in gay bars, I mean, did they make you do laps? <laughs> no, we had this other uh, thing that was called hide. The, uh, wait, no, um, but <laughs> it, no, but even when I met teachers out and about, you know, oh, not, in, not in gay bars, okay, not in gay bars, no, just randomly because you know my friends and I we used to go to, you know to the movies and stuff when we were in our late teens, and or we'd go to some places, and then all of a sudden we'd run into a teacher. And of course, it's always awkward running to your high school yeah. teacher outside. Uh, and, and I could tell you, okay, so you told a story with your dad. I'll tell you about one of my most exper- embarrassing experiences with a teacher. So this one's out there. And this happened when I went to Japan, right? So when I was 17-ish, I think 16, 17, I was a part of a foreign exchange like program that we did over the summer. And then I went to the item, island of Sato uh, in Japan. And that's that little S that's on the side of the oh, main yeah. island, right? And uh, so our sister school, that was, they were there. And so, but for the first three days, we went around and we went to Tokyo, Kyoto, and Nara to like, just kind of visit those cities before we had the big week and a half long stay at the, the island and before we went home. And so it was the, the second day when we were in Nara, um, the day of, we went to this, like, we went to this temple that had all these deer and it was like really cool because they walk up to you and you could pet them and you can feed them these little crackers and everything like that and uh so that next morning we get up and the one of the other uh guys that was with me we uh we got up to go use the shower because we were staying in hostels up until that point and so we both looked at each other and we're like we're just gonna be back to back to each other we're not gonna see each other you know we're, we're teenagers i don't want to see his thing he don't want to see my thing nothing like that 
So we, we do that, we wash, and then we get the, we had the towels with us, which is not necessarily customary in Japan because everybody just kind of walks around. We'd already been in like a hostel in, in Tokyo where there was old men that were just walking out with everything out, right? This is, this is Japan, they don't give a shit. Well, the moment that we enter the changing area, there is our teacher that was on us on this trip, dick swinging wide at everything. Like, oh, hi, guys. And I was like, <laughs> I don't need to see shit. Um, I'll, I'll see you later. I'll just go. <laughs> it's just like, so I, what I'm trying to say is I get the shower, shower scene that's coming up in this movie. <laughs> just a moment. <laughs> But it's just it's just the fact that he goes, he like if a teacher said to me, like that's got to work both ways. Yeah, he caught you in 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 an S and M bar, but also the teacher was in there. So him punishing you that's literally, I I I I would be spreading that all around the school. I mean, because surely that's a rumor. Because if that was a legitimate thing that he was going to these bars, that, that he would probably not be a teacher very long no and but it, and remember in the the scene where they he forced them to either do the push-up or plank thing that uh the ron did say that it was a rumor that he would hang out at the snm bar hmm. and that he you know he liked boys like him and then here he is he's he goes into the same snm bar and what does he do he gets him to go run around and then he tells him to go take a shower um but not before he himself is attacked by balls and he takes a lot of balls to the face. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and it's funny because I think at one point you see a, a, a basketball come off the, the shelf to fly at him. And then I think it turns into a volleyball when yes, it actually it does hit him. Yeah, or, it changes color, yeah. Or it was a, uh, either a, you know, I would call it a soccer ball. You would call it a football. Uh, one of the two things, uh, you know, I have to make some reference to that shit for this movie. But thank uh, you for using, <laughs> thank you for using the correct term. What, soccer ball? Uh, <laughs> no, no, football. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I couldn't tell which, which one it was. Was was it was it that or was it a volleyball that hit him? Because it definitely wasn't a basketball because it turns white. No, I, I think it was a volleyball because um, back, back, back then footballs were tended to be black and white. Um, whereas that's just plain white, which would suggest to me it's volleyball. There's probably a volleyball. So yeah, he he takes a like I said, takes a ton of balls to the face, and then he gets the ropes put around his arms, and he gets dragged into the bathroom uh, or the showers. And then when he gets put in the showers, uh, he gets completely stripped and tied uh, up to the wall. Our second, yeah, our second full-on butt shot of the of uh, the film. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to see so much man ass in this movie. What did yeah, uh, two, 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 two man butts and not a single breast? No, no, it's in this film. And and I think the film itself is rated R too because it has some uh, violent things and they're not that violent to be honest with you. Like not, for, not by today's not, yeah, no. not for today's standards. I mean, I, I initially thought that scene where he caught him in the bar and took him to the. I was waiting for a very different ending to that scene. Oh yeah. Um, I was a bit worried where that was going. Well, um, and I, I do like that it turned out the way that you didn't think it was going to be. Because, again, I think when you have all these things, it's like, oh, this film is so homoeroticized and, and all that, that you would think that, oh, well, the reason that he's going to end up killing him is because the teacher's going to end up doing to, something to him, and that's going to force him to turn into Freddy to protect mm. himself, right? Oh, I'm bringing out Freddy, which 
would have been a, an interesting thing, but that's not the reason why Freddie wants to come out. Freddie just wants to be, you know, uh, chaotic, we can say, right? I don't want to use something like somebody would describe, oh, this is what the Joker wants, but it's kind of what Freddie wants too. He just wants to kill, you know, yeah. and, and do whatever. Right? And I guess if you're going to say get revenge, you know, if any of these teachers had anything to do with him dying in the first place, but nobody in this movie does. So again, revenge just doesn't fucking work. Um, <laughs> and, and so he eventually he does turn into Freddie and slashes his back twice. Well, this is, yeah, this is the, the, this is the scene I was talking about earlier that, uh, Robert England does not play Freddie. Mm-hmm. Um, this was done by the original actor and you could, it's kind of covered by the steam coming off the showers. But when I watched it again, once I found that out, you can definitely see he's not, he doesn't walk the same there's a different presence to him. He's more like a, like you said before, more like a zombie or like a monster rather than a kind of sentient being, right? Yeah, but but then it kind of works because of the way that this film makes Jesse Freddy. Mm-hmm. Because you could just go, oh, okay, well, it was, it was, that literally was Jesse sort of as Freddy. Um, so I think that's how they've got away with it, sort of. Oh, I, it that way. and I think that that, that works because you, until you actually mentioned this, I would have never known that. Like I would have thought that that was the same and it makes sense if he does move a little more stiff because he still has some control over himself and maybe mm-hmm. he's trying to fight back the whole Freddy like thing. Right. Yeah. So he kills the poor coach who, again, he turns out to be just a hard ass. That's really all he is with a hard ass, but <laughs> <laughs> he, he's not, a bad guy. He's just like, you shouldn't be doing these things. You shouldn't be in the bar at that age. So this is how I'm going to teach you. I'm going to make you run laps. And, you know, he pays the ultimate price for it. Now, is it also that Freddie is told him to kill? And so that's where he figured that he would go find somebody to kill. And as somebody that he hated, it's a possibility. It's something that it could be said that could be true or because, you know, it could be, and then maybe this is me reaching a little bit, but if you want to talk about like homoeroticism with it, that if he's fighting back that feeling, he goes after the one character that we believe to know is actually gay in this film. And he kills but, off that character. But that's how Mark Patton was playing him in his head when he actually played him. He was playing him as a, a, a repressed uh, gay man. Um, so, he, he's always said that he played him as a repressed gay man. So it, again, that, 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 that kind of works the way, the way you just said. Yeah, so it, it could be... And which would be interesting. It would make that that part of the character much more interesting if that's that was true. But they, again, I, I feel like it, even though he's kind of playing it out that way, I still feel like they kind of give you that. You know, I I can't necessarily tell unless we, no. we talk about it, right? No, so, no. I mean, the, the filmmakers themselves have always denied it, but he's always uh, Mark Patton's always said no. That's how, that's what I was told. But, so, so we see the poor coach he's been killed and then that's where the parents get a ring at the door and they happen to find out that their lovely son has come back good evening has this belong to you uh, yes he's my son and we found him out on the highway wandering around he was naked i'd keep a short leash on him if i were you thank you jesse come, come. hey hey Two questions. 
You answer them, we can all go to bed, all right? What are you taking, son? Who are you getting it from? I'm not taking drugs. Oh, I'm going to go to bed. Come on. See there, he kind of looks like the, the him from the beginning of the movie, too, after he's been doused in water and everything like that. Yeah, I, I really like the way the dad played that scene because um, you can you can see that that, that he kind of he, he cares and stuff with the the way you know he says come here and then he, he rubs his head when he asks him to quit. It's the sort of thing that you know a dad might ask. You know, just like okay, yeah. look, whatever's happened has happened. Just answer me these two things. What are you taken and where did you get it from? Um, and, and again, you said the thing with the bird scene like the way they reacted to the birds being i could now see that after this yeah right it would be like okay there's something that's weird that's going on with him but i still care for him but then now all of a sudden that's happened then this has happened what the hell's going on yeah that that would explain that that would sort of explain the the anger that he had in that first scene that was kind of out of nothing whereas he's you know this he should really flip it <laughs> i mean it's kind of like my dad would be pissed if I if I was brought back by two coppers running down the street naked. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that. Well, maybe my dad would be more of the 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 type of reaction he had here. I don't know if he'd necessarily go to drugs, but he'd be like, "There's definitely something wrong with you. Like, <laughs> what is it? Like, let's talk about it." My dad is such a talker. And he's. I guess maybe that's where I get it from. Where I talk for hours on fucking end. Uh, my <laughs> wife would definitely say yes, and she's probably laughing in the background right now. In fact, she's pointing at a finger saying that it's on the nose. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he definitely would have been like, well, we need to sit and talk about this, you know, versus you know, why are you being such a dumbass? And, you know, let's just move on. So the, you have the next morning where he pops up uh, with his folks uh, and he's, of course, kind of pissed off to leave. And then the dad, again, he says what every parent, I think, says and almost every generation says about the younger generation, which is uh, they need a good, quick, uh, nice, swift kick in the ass. I have to work out on my own. Yes, I know, but something's bothering you. Mom. I'm just very concerned about you. Jesse! I'm fine. Can't... Just leave me alone. Can't we at least talk about it? No. needs professional help. I, th- I think we have to take him to see a psychiatrist. Oh, come on, Cheryl. Yeah, do you go out? What the hell will that do? I don't know. I just feel he needs help and we don't know how to give it to him. Oh, come on, Cheryl. Are you hearing me? That boy's in trouble. No, he's not in trouble. What that boy needs is a good goddamn kick in the butt. That's what he needs. Is it just me or is it sometimes the way Jesse, uh, Mark Patton acts, Jesse kind of reminds me of Jesse Eisenberg? Yeah. <laughs> I, I did definitely get the vibes of that as well yeah like this is almost oh well you know i i that actually would be a dishonor to mark Patton to say this is like you know jesse eisenberg playing lex, lex luther but you know <laughs> sometimes it reminds me of that uh, it's, yeah i mean it's the, it's the first time in the film where he's actually kind of acted like a stroppy teenager yeah and he's been you're right i never really thought about it that way like he's kind of acting like his age where everything else He's not quite acting his age. I mean, of course, this is, again, where it's like it's teenagers in air quotes, right? Because all these people are probably in their <laughs> mid-20s or late-20s that are supposedly playing t- teenagers. 
Yeah, uh, it's um, that was a staple of of eighties um, high school films, wasn't it? And, and how does he start his car so quickly? I still don't yeah, understand that. I was just thinking that it was. It well, to be honest, it's probably a fine art, isn't it? Now he's, he's I guess been so. doing it for so long. He knows exactly the buttons to press to get her going. Yeah, he knows which holes to press. Yeah. <laughs> so from there, they drive over to the school, and that's where they find out that the coach has been killed. And Ron basically says to him, "Dude, where have you been?" And this is where he's a lot more friendly to him. Like he's actually like his friend now, not hmm. just like an asshole. Cause they've already gone through two punishments together. Right. Over. And, and really like, it seems like he's warmed up to Ron because we, when he talked to him last time, he's like, dude, he shouldn't have treated you the way that he did. And it seems like they've created a rapport between the two of them. Um, and it's, it's kind of weird at the same time. Cause he's kind of, Seems like Ron's kind of glad that the coach is dead. Yeah, I, I think they—they, they, I mean, it's, it's also like the, the. You've never, I've never seen Ron talk to anybody else in this entire film. He's either True. sat on his own. He does the little nod to the guy he sat next to in the science class, but um, but other than that, yeah, it's it's kind of it's now just sort of hinted at that they're now sort of great buds, and it's ah, like, oh, I've been looking for you everywhere, man. Yeah. <laughs> Really? Okay. I need to tell you all this stuff, man. But then, but then when he says, "Our oh, coach is dead," he's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, he again. He, it's kind of he acted that he acted that a bit too well, uh, as, as in there was no. He actually acted it like he didn't know. Like it was kind of odd. Yeah, it was a weird thing. Or, or I, th- I felt like a little bit of it. He was acting like he thought it was all just a dream that he ran yeah. into that. And then he was just like, he's dead. Oh no. Wait, is that actually what happened? Yeah. It's just that the way he sort of ran over there, it's kind of like, he was like, Oh my God, what's going on? Yeah. Whereas uh, it would have been, had, I think they would have played on it a bit more if he thought it was a dream. Would he not have just been staring and like going on? Oh dear. Like in his, just having, having more of a kind of panic than, than just running straight over there. But, um, Maybe it's a testament to Mark Patton's acting again. So, yeah, it's possibly. So then we get the other kind of weird scene of the movie, and that's. Would you say this is the next morning that they've come? Like, it's like this has happened, and then we kind of like fade over to see. Like, he has another nightmare, right? Is that where he wakes in the middle of the night and he looks at his sister? I think that's. Yeah, I, the, I think what, that's the one that happens that night. Where, but that, yeah, it's literally just a throwaway one. It's, it doesn't sort of, nothing really happens. just him, you have a POV shot, don't you, of somebody going up the stairs and into the room. Well, and you, then you see, the, you see the glove, don't you? I think. I think you kind of get like a little bit of, of Freddie's voice for a second. Yes. Because he does yeah. say, he does tell, the, he does call her little girl. And that's yeah. where I have the, she has a name. And I realize, I don't know what your name is. Um, <laughs> and we found out it was Angela. Uh, but, and so... Like, but that's where you kind of get the he is Freddy type thing because you're Freddy walking around the house. And then when they do the reaction shot of what you would think would be Freddy after you see the glove on the girl, it's actually Jesse. And so, you know, there's that weird thing. And then when they wake up the next morning, it's kind of like the family knows but doesn't know. But then there's the weird thing that goes on with the toaster. Morning, Jess. Dad, 
How come it took him five years to sell this house? Oh, I don't know. He just couldn't get the right price, I suppose. You didn't know anything about the murder across the street? And the crazy girl that lived here that saw the whole thing? They told me something about it, yeah, but You I... mean you knew something about this and oh, you... come on, Cheryl. How do you think we got such a good deal here, huh? Did they tell you that that girl lost her mind and her mother killed herself in our living room? What? Did they tell you that? Mom, I'm scared. Oh, honey, it's all right. Daddy and Jesse are just pretending, that's all. I, I don't think this is something we should discuss here. I see what you're doing here. I don't want to hear one more word about it, Jess. There's absolutely nothing, I mean nothing, wrong with this house. Come on. Is something burning? So I actually think the scene where they think he's going a little crazier is actually the next one. Cause this leads into them going with him going with Lisa to the abandoned factory. Yeah. Again, if, if, if you're downstairs with your family and your toaster catches fire and it's not even plugged in, most people's reaction wouldn't be, Hmm. That's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I would be, I would be pouring, pouring gasoline on the house as we all backed out just to just burn it, burn it all. Man, this is uh, this is quite interesting, huh? <laughs> huh I wonder what, wonder what, what we need to do here. Huh. Even even with our even with our traditional stiff British upper lips, we 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 would be out of that house within about five seconds after something <laughs> like that happened. Um, but yeah, it, it, it just literally it goes from that to to them pulling up to the, the factory, isn't it? With uh, the old, the old, with the old dinosaur, the rusty dinosaur. Yeah, which but I wonder if that's a euphemism for something else. Probably, I, I'm sure that I'm sure that's a maneuver. I'm sure that's a, a name for a maneuver. <laughs> it's time to go over to uh, UrbanDictionary.com. <laughs> oh yeah, I dread to think. Well, actually, I've got I've, I've got an encyclopedia of unusual sex practices. That <laughs> Uh, it was a present years and years ago. I've got it somewhere. Uh, I sometimes, if I've got guests coming, I don't really like. Sometimes I just leave it out on the coffee table. Because <laughs> <Just, laughs> so, it ne- oh. never gets brought up. It never gets brought up. <laughs> but you know, there's somebody that's dying to look at it. They just don't want to take the chance in the middle of like a party or something like that. Well, sometimes I think it'd be fun to put a bookmark in one of the really disturbing sections. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's. It's a weird scene altogether because everything that's kind of gone on with his, you know, his nightmares that he's had. And then he all of a sudden he's just like, OK, well, the principal died. So now I'm going to ask about we bought this house and this is what's actually going on here. And Angela is the tip, typical like terrible child actor in a lot of like these 80s movies where they're there just to do the one thing. I think actually the scene that happens before this during the night is when he actually goes by the room and there's the little girl jumping rope and singing the Freddy song. Yeah, but you don't. You just see the rope, don't you? I don't think you ever see... No, I think you see the girl too. Oh, you do see the girl. I, I, yeah. I, I just remember it, him, him looking through the door and you can just see the top of the rope while they're, while they're singing, the, singing yeah. the rhyme, but I don't remember seeing the girl. 
And so she's there, and then so I'm a little out of whack with this, but it's the night after that we have the whole scene with him going after the sister, and that causes the next morning for them to be. But they go to the the factory, and the factory, the trip is kind of uneventful because she's trying to see if he has any type of like spiritual connection to the place. And is this the first time that they even mentioned the factory or or this the boiler place in the series? I know they mentioned it earlier within the books, but I don't remember if even in the first movie they mentioned this like location. No, he was burnt in the school, wasn't he? It's, yeah, was it? It was the school, wasn't it? In the first, in the in the in the first one. It, oh no, it was. Yeah, it was. It was the um, janitor's, basically the janitor's boiler yeah. room, wasn't it? Yeah, and it, it's basically like what well, you know. I know Dave always gets on me this. Uh, it, it's why the Simpsons have their parody of it with uh, groundskeeper Willie, and he gets burned in the boiler room of the school, right? <laughs> but it's all by accident because you're not supposed to touch Willie, and that's good advice. Uh, <laughs> I also had a another joke from it where it was, uh, it's Nightmare on Elm Street 3 minus Nightmare on Elm Street 1 equals Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Um, but that's an <laughs> obscure Simpsons joke. <laughs> but uh yeah it's uh it's just interesting that they go to this place like okay well he worked here and or he brought this is where he brought the kids and this is where he killed the kids that's the whole idea of like the boiler uh factory but 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 i i honestly think the only reason that's thrown in there is because of because of the to tie in with the end of the film yeah, the only the only reason it's there is that nothing happened. They kind of just pull up in the car, sit on the sit on the bonnet, and talk about stuff, have a quick look mm-hmm. around, and then get scared by a rat, and that's it. Get scared by a rat, and then off they go. <laughs> like here's the tension building up. They're going to open this thing. There's going to be something badass in there, and there's a a rat. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think the whole thing is just to set up the end of the the, the, the end of the film. I think it's uh, one yeah. of those. So and then so from there that's where they she he has the dream of going up to his sister and doing everything and then that's where the next morning you get the scene here where Jesse is pretty he's becoming unstable. Morning, honey. You sleep okay? Yeah, fine. Good. You're looking better. You had another nightmare, didn't you? Yes, I had a bad night. Do you want to talk about it? My dad thinks I'm on drugs. My mom thinks I'm crazy. And you know, at this point, I don't know if I don't agree with her. Hey, what's wrong with Jesse? He seems kind of freaked out. Hey, you want to go out and go to a movie or something, hang out? Maybe... Did you think off your mind, got a picture or something? Hey, guys. Hi, Ronnie. So you going to Lisa's house tomorrow night? No. Nope. I'm grounded. How come? I think my grandmother down a flight of stairs. Jesse. Jesse, I think you should eat something. I'm not hungry. I wish you would talk to me. You know, we can figure it out. We can figure it out together. There is nothing to figure out. I don't know why you're wasting the time on this guy's bastard case. Shut up, Grady. Wanna shut up? Fine, I'll shut up. No problem. See you around, buddy.
So it's quite like there's multiple things and there's a kind of a different changes in between each of the scenes. First, you have the whole thing with the the parents and they're obviously now like, hey, like something's going on and everybody's all wary about whatever things. And then he has the weird nightmare and he's freaked out because he almost tried to kill his sister in the middle of the night. And then he doesn't want to really tell that to Lisa. And I get it. We, I wouldn't want to tell that to my girlfriend or the, my interest like at all. Like, why would you say those types of things? Hey, guess what? I almost woke up in the middle of the night and tried to kill my sister. How great he, is that? Yeah. He's, he's really starting to look like uh, meth head Jesse from the start of the film now, isn't he? You can see yeah. the, the black under the eyes starting to come in the sort of greasy, sweaty faces. Um, it's really starting to, to, to build up on him now. And it's weird because it's also kind of building up on Lisa at the same time yeah, too. She looks like she looks like shit in this scene. Yeah, she looks like because she's honestly looks like she's one. You know, she's worried about him, right? She really does care for him. And two, she looks like she's been like racked with what's going on with him, and it's keeping her up at night. It's not necessarily Freddy Krueger. Well, I do wonder whether that was sort of the intention, or just she was having a you know she she was having a bad makeup day. I don't. I don't I, I mean, I, I'd give the I'll give the filmmakers credit and say let's let's say benefit of the doubt they did that on purpose. But. Oh, I thought you were going to say benefit of the doubt, it's just bad makeup day. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, she's she's she, she, she. This is like when we were saying about she, between scenes, like one minute she's stunning and and the next she's hmm. This is yeah. definitely a hmm. <laughs> oh, oh, definitely. And then you got Ron over here, uh, and Ron is like just eating with it talking with his mouth full and like full full like it's not like he has a little piece of bread inside of his cheek like he's a fucking hamster or something like that but he is just yeah he's got half a crust taken out of his lip at one point it looked like he took a whole slice of cake and just stuck it in his mouth and he's eating with it talking with a cake in his mouth it's not Uh, a good look (laughs) it's so ridiculous and and but it still is you know Again, it's that change of character. It's like both her and him have grown along with our, our, our main character, Jesse, here, where you can tell that he's – because he's trying to help him. He's like, look, uh, things are going bad. Want to go see a movie? Want to get out of here? You want to go to the S&M sex club with me later? I have you know, tickets to their all-swing night. Um, you know, it, it, it could be a bunch of things that they're doing over here, but – he really doesn't Jesse's get to the point that he just he's afraid of himself and what he might do and he doesn't want to hurt anybody that's that's out there which unfortunately we can't say that that's you know going to happen no so, i mean it, it's i think it's the it's sort of first time where he's kind of admitting to himself that that he might be turning into the thing that he keeps dreaming about it's it's kind of you can see it sort of the realization now that He's starting to remember more and more of what he's doing when he's being possessed, essentially, isn't he? Oh, yeah. And and doesn't know whether or not it really... He's starting to realize that it's not a dream. That the, that mm-hmm. what he's doing, it's he says he's dreaming, but he's not really dreaming. He's really doing the things and seeing the things uh, in real life. Yeah. So you have him and, and everybody's kind of like... I don't know. He's like, she wants him to be there tonight at the the big beach or the big pool party. And he's like, I don't really want to go because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do anything if something's going to happen. But reluctantly, he does go. 
And it's funny too, because Ron, even he says, they asked him when Ron, why aren't you going? And he's like, I pushed my grandma down the stairs. <laughs> what? I don't know if he's joking or not. That's the kind of, this, and, he's such a mysterious character that I honestly don't know if he's being serious or not. And I honestly like the way the guy that, uh, the, the actor that portrays him, I think that he does, he's probably my third favorite actor in this film. Because the character, while not a big focus in the film, he definitely plays his scenes very well. Yeah, was he? He, he was in Weird Science, wasn't he? Um, I, he, think he, Matt, he was. I think he was Max, I think, in, in Weird Science, if I can remember. So Correctly it's Ro- Robert Rustler is his name, is the actor's name. And he was definitely in Weird Science, and he definitely was Max. He was Max, okay. And he was also on The Facts of Life as Neil. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, but this was his third movie. Uh, out of those things, Weird Science being his very first. And he was also in, which Dave probably get a kick out of, Amityville, The New Generation. Yes. And also, interestingly enough, Mark Patton's latest, one of his later projects, he actually did act again. And he acted in one of, in 2017's Amityville. Oh, the one after the terrible one in 2017. <laughs> the oh. terrible one. <laughs> I about to say, which one was that? Uh, he, you, yeah, people at home can't see me doing the air quotes when I say, you know. <laughs> he um, was also in uh, Tales of Halloween, too, in 2015. Yes, he's, he's had a bit of a resurgence last sort of five years, but he, he's, in, yeah, he's in the latest um, Amateurville terrible piece of shit film. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's uh, you know, a, a great... Um, uh, again, the, the acting between and the, uh, between the, the characters there again is, is you know instead of kicking off properly, he just gets up and goes, "Oh, you want me to leave you alone? I'll leave you alone." And he just sort of throws his stuff down and walks off, um, which is again a kind of realistic thing that what would uh, what would happen in a you know if I'm with my buddies and I shouted at them, that's probably what they'd do. Just go, "Oh, fuck yeah. you, then." Man. <laughs> well, yeah, you wanted me to be done. Oh, fine, we're fucking done, and that that's the end of that. So yeah. the the basically in the evening they're now all hanging out at the pool and you get to see everybody together you see the dad's out there he's making jokes with everybody and he's cooking and he's like oh i get to be with all the kids like he's trying to be like cool dad right and yeah but they also they've missed it again this is what i think what sets the seeds of the the sort of undertone to the film is is the only you know if i was the dad i would be or if i even if i was making the film I would have had him either try to flirt with one of the girls or, you know, or, or, or iron up the girls in the swimsuits, but he's just talking to one of the guys. Yeah. I think if you wanted to make it a little more realistic, especially the way that he was kind of acting, he probably would have been checking out one of the, the teen daughters, you know, or the, or one of her friends that were there because they're all probably, you know, 17, maybe some of her 18. That's uh, that's legal over here. Oh, well, see, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I can say these. I can say I can. I can make jokes about that because it's sixteen. <laughs> and here, I am not going to say anything unless I was in Alabama, yeah. <laughs> Alabama, sir. Um, so eventually, the wife does pull the dad away, you know, and is like, "Look, we got to go inside," because she told, you know, she told Jesse that she was definitely going to pull the father away and keep him upstairs. Yeah, but again, that insinuates that that it, that. They're going to go off and bang, and if and like the way she says, "Oh, I'll make sure your dad goes to bed" or something, I would have been, "Oh, mom, <laughs> yeah, gross, but... like that's disgusting." But thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and, what, and what's crazy too is when they go to bed, quote unquote, or whatever, because she's going to get them liquored up or whatever it is, 
right? She's basically going to give him whiskey wieners, so that way she doesn't have to fuck him. And all she has to do is make sure that he just falls asleep. But it's like, okay, the old man is gone. Now we can turn up the music really loud and party hardy. And it's like, wait, aren't you trying to hide that shit? Like, you're trying yeah. to hide the fact that you guys are going to get debaucherous now. And that was yeah, the they crank they crank up the music and the and, and the beer kegs can roll out, don't they? The, the yeah. cans in the in the in the wheelie cart. The the, the wagon full of beer marked cans <laughs> that are obviously like Budweiser and Coors Light cans, but they're all marked with beer. It, it's really uh, I actually think it's not Coors Light. I think it's Coors because it's the yellow can, which is the banquet of beers, uh, <laughs> and sure, it's also yeah. pills like fucking piss and terrible. Ugh. <laughs> You want to talk about shitty beers? You talk about those two beers. Um, but, yeah, we we've got our fair share over here as well. <laughs> oh, oh, I bet. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure that comp- your shittiest compared to our shittiest is uh, <laughs> leagues beyond compare. Well, yeah, I think we we invented beer, so. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our shitty monks. beer, our, yeah, our <laughs> shitty beer should be better than your shitty beer. <laughs> so, Jesse, he goes away into the cabana, right? And this is probably, I think I laughed the hardest at this scene only because it probably wasn't the best acted scene. But the fact of the matter is that she basically tells him that I'm going to keep you up all night as much as I can, which ends up turning to them like it's going to be them fucking is like the whole thing that she she basically says. But still, the way that it kind of progresses, okay, I get it. But her acting just does not carry the scene at all. Jesse? Can I please come in and talk to you? Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave. I'm not into this. I'm sorry. Jesse, why won't you talk to me? Will you just leave me alone? You're not being fair. I want to help you. How can you help me? What are you going to do for me? Look, I feel like I'm losing my mind. And I don't want you to watch me fall apart. I'm afraid to go to sleep. I'm afraid to stay awake. I'm ruining your party. They're going to take me away. Come on, don't say that. Listen, we'll stay up all night if we have to. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. And that's when they start making out really awkwardly. Yeah, this is kind of, oh, look at this amazing straight sex we're going to have. Oh, I'm really into this. Oh, this is amazing straight sex we are having. <laughs> well, and I was, so last night I watched Hot Rod, right? And it, this the kissing scene in this, Remind me of when Isla Fisher first kisses Andy Samberg and she opens her mouth like super wide and like covers his face. Like it's just that awkward here when you watch the scene that's going on. And and even when like he gets on top of her and starts like he's like licking her chest. But he's he's also licking her chest, but cu- making sure we can't see any of the breasts because he's he's kind of really weirdly cupping them. Like, yeah. It, it's odd. It's it, really... it's, uh, it's like when you, you have a stripper with small breasts and they're trying to push them closer together so that way they look larger than they actually are. 
but they're just covering them so you can't see them at the same time. So it's like, here, here's a lot of fucking cleavage, but um, I'm not going to let you see anything, and you're going to have to pay more for it. But he's just, he's like going to town on her belly button is basically <laughs> what he's doing. And then he lifts his head up, and that's where Freddy's tongue comes out. And I was thinking, she probably would enjoy that quite a bit, to be honest with you. It's got to be. It's got to be one of the perks of the of the possession, surely, having a, a, a nine inch tongue. Yeah, it, it's huge and long. I mean, like he's giving Gene Simmons a run for his money. I mean, of all the of all the shitty things that's happened to him because of, of Freddy Krueger, at least let one good thing come out of it. That's right. He could at least, you know, and then you know, if he were supposed to take a uh, a finger razor to the mouth, she could take a finger razor anywhere else. <laughs> But it's it's just the kind of he he then sort of just panics, doesn't he? And he just sort of oh, oh, yeah. and she's I like, can't do this. What's what's wrong? What what did I do? And like she like perfectly covers herself up and everything like that too. Because of course the shirt is open perfectly, so it covers everything there, and you only get midriff. And, and again, I mean, I'm not like begging for boob here or anything like that. But you would think there would at least be one. Like a little, just like wink a boob, like it would pop out for a second, then pop back in, and like even, go away. Even a, yeah, even a silhouetted, just yeah. to summon, just give give us something. I mean, I mean I've, I've had two two naked two naked man asses. Yeah, I haven't had, I've had you, nothing. You did get nipple. That's about it. You got nipple, I think, from her friend in the pool, and you got nipple from her when she came out of the pool. That's about all you got. But you think you'd at least get one? You know, it, it should be if the proportion for this movie is at least. One boob to two manas is what you should get, you know? Yeah. So he runs off, and where does he run to? He runs to Ron's house, and he freaks out Ron, wakes him up, and then he gives Ron basically, kind of tells him what he needs to do and to, to help him make sure that he doesn't do anything bad. Man, Jesus Christ, you scared the shit out of me, man. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, what the fuck you doing in my room? Listen, I'm in trouble. I need you to let me stay here tonight. Are you out of your mind? I don't know. Oh, man. Why don't you just go home and take a bottle of sleeping pills? I killed Snyder. You what? I mean, it wasn't me, see? There's something inside of me. And last night it made me go to my sister's room. And tonight with Lisa on the cabana, it started to happen again. I think you are seriously losing it, bro. I'm scared, Grady. Something is trying to get inside my body. Yeah, and she's female and she's waiting for you in the cabana. And you want to sleep with me. Look, I don't care if you believe me or not. Hey, I believe you. You've had some scary dreams, okay? No. I don't. No. I'm all messed up. What difference does it make? I'm in trouble. And I need you to help me. Okay? All right, man. What do you want me to do? Just watch me. And if anything starts to happen, like I start to act weird... Start dreaming weird, or try to walk out of here. You gotta stop me. 
I don't care if you have to hit me over the head. Just don't let me leave. And Grady, don't fall asleep. Uh, so many interesting things with this scene. What do you, what do you want me to do? Watch me, watch me play with my ball thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, it, again, this was one of the scenes that that's always uh, touted around as, as 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 a giveaway to the 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 undertones of the film, because it's like oh, he he had this chick, but he runs off to to see Grady. He even alludes to the fact you want to sleep with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's like yeah, then you you know I want you to watch me. <laughs> it's it's kind of once you sort of realize kind of sort of what people are saying about this film, you, the more you watch it, uh, okay, maybe. <laughs> and, um, and the thing is, is that it's it's well acted again by Mike Patton. Like the you can see inside of him, like he really like there was something weird happened to him. He doesn't know what's going on now. Like he doesn't know exactly how he, even when he says like he's like you're having bad dreams he's like i i don't know and just the the way that he responds is so natural to somebody that doesn't know exactly what you know what they they are going through at this moment they don't know how to feel how to react no i mean it's it's also the way the scene ends where he he's sort of he's sort of saying you know watch me don't let me do anything and don't fall asleep. And then probably both of them fall straight asleep. Yep. And it sucks because Ron ends up getting killed. Uh, but you get that really, really, really awesome scene of Freddie breaking through uh, Jesse's body. And it's, it, it, it looks a little cheesy at one little point, but overall it's fantastic. Like just hey, break down yeah. everything. But the, 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 the bit, so where he does his scream at the end is is the shriekiest, girliest scream at the end where oh, where, yeah. where where the eye there's the eye in the back of his throat, which is really really cool. But it it's kind of the this is kind of their werewolf in London moment, isn't it? Where it's kind mm-hmm. of like this is the transformation. So you see the knives starting to come out of the fingers, um, sort of his skin starting to rip open, and 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 finally somebody sort of seeing it happen. So so this is where watching the film you realise oh okay he's not mad. This, this actually is a thing that's happening. Um, but the thing that made me laugh about this is, is, is when this is all happening and, and he's sort of the door's locked and he's trying to get, and Ron's trying to get out. His dad, his mum and dad come to the door, and at no point in my life has my dad ever tried to get into my door and shouted, "This is your father. Let me in." <laughs> <laughs> I think you know most, who your father is, right? Yeah, it's the most sort of. I think it's maybe somebody just went. Well, we should, you know, maybe we should tell them who, who, you know, to make do it. So yeah, but there's only going to be two other people in the house, surely. But it's a real shame that, that that's how Ron bails out of this film. It's kind of a real sort of damp squibber. You don't even really see it, do you? You just see the no. You just see the claws come through the back of the door, don't you? So yeah, you you see him go up to him. He grabs him by the neck and pushes him up. And then he stabs them. You see the claws come through the door. And then you see them raise up in the door, which I thought looked really cool. Um, Mm. And then you see a little bit of the blood. But there really isn't anything else that you see. There's there's nothing. Like, the the kills that happen in this movie are not overtly violent at all. They're, you know, you see blood, 
but you don't really see anything that happens to him. And then you have that really great like reaction shot when you see Freddie in the distance in the mirror, and then you see him and it keeps cutting back and forth between them as they're kind of talking to each other. And like, he realizes that, you know, we're looking at Jesse, but Jesse is only seeing himself as Freddy Krueger, which is really well done. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's very similar to the to the to the way that um, Spider Man did with the with the Green Goblin. Yeah, um, except kind it's of, not Willem Dafoe way overacting. <laughs> no, I mean everything's ma- everything's made better by an overacting Willem Dafoe. But, um, <laughs> but this is kind of it's a great scene. Obviously, he throws he just tells something at the at the mirror, smashes the mirror, um, and does he not? Does he dive out the window? He does because there ends up the police end up showing up or something. Yeah, he, they, he like, disappears, doesn't he? Does he not? Does he not? He goes to the window and disappears, Freddie, doesn't he? No, it, it's it's actually Jesse that gets through because he pushes the de- the dresser aside that's in front of the window, oh. and then he jumps through. Now Freddie does do that, but that's in the the next little. Oh, bit. that's the next one. Yeah, so he he dives and runs away, and then he runs back to Lisa's house. Um. Though he goes to the front door, and as we see here, he is just, he finally realizes what he's been doing as Freddy. Jesse, my God, what happened? I killed him, Bobby. Fools. Jesse, my God, you're hurt. What happened? I, I killed Brady. I killed Brady. Lisa, I killed Snyder. Oh, oh my God. I'm so scared. Jesse, what are you talking about? He's inside me. I'm scared. Jesse, who is doing this to you? Fred Krueger. He's inside me, and he wants to take me again. No, no. Jesse, Jesse, this is not happening. It's it's got to be everything you've taken in. Uh, Schneider, the, the diary, the glove. Only it's all mixed up. Christ, what do I have to do to make you understand me? Last night he made me try to kill my sister. I got blood on my hands. He owns me. So there's something that I think from the last one that we we skipped over for a second because, you know, when Ron said to uh, Jesse that there's somebody that wants to be inside you too, um, yeah. when he was referring to Lisa, but it's kind of a double entendre because he even says it here, he says he's inside me and you could take it as it's Freddie that wants to be inside him as well. Like maybe he's unbeknownstly referring to Freddie and now he's accepting it that, hey, yeah, Freddy's inside me. He wants to own me. He wants to be me. It, yeah, it's a, it, again, it's another one of, of, of Mark Patton's really great scenes in this. It's um, it kind of almost, uh, I don't know, it, it's, it's almost plays out like it was from a sort of, sort of romantic drama style bits of acting that he does there not not a cheesy 80s horror film it's um it's really quite impressive bit of bit of dialogue he does in that scene yeah and you really kind of get that feel from him as well 
while he's going through this, right? And, and that's I, why I really do appreciate his performance in this film comes from scenes like this. There are some scenes in the beginning that are really cheesily acted, but as he's progressed and as he's become more in tune with what's going on, you can see the fear and you can hear the fear in him. It's not just his body language, but his voice changes uh, yeah, quite a bit. I think- yeah, I mean, I think I think maybe he just sort of he started to understand the character further and further into the sort of filming that they were doing. That he was, um, so he he just kind of he, he just sort of understands it more, and he's um, he's really grown into the into the character and everything that's happening to him. But it's uh, it's it's a, it's a great scene because it's kind of like the, the sort of the last of the sort of serious scenes, isn't it? It it, it, it sort of from here on in goes into what you would kind of expect from a Nightmare on Elm Street style sort of film. Yeah, it, it kind of, this is where it just changes gears and it goes right head on into kind of the last act of those like 80s monster movies too, where you have all these, and, and what always kind of drives me crazy about a lot of these is that you have all this great like build up to something. And then finally, when they show the monster or they unleash the beast, or in this case, Freddy goes crazy then it's the same, it's it's not really dynamic anymore. You don't fear the monster, you don't fear what's going on. It's just kind of like, okay, now we're just going to get to the ending in some way. Whereas films like, say, like Alien, for example, where you're still, you, you good ones, I would say, like that, where they, they still, it, you know what the alien is, but you're still afraid of it all the way up until the end of the movie, right? And even the first Nightmare on Elm Street kind of does that, this one definitely not so much because now this is the point at like you would say, you know, you found out where the sausage is made and now you're just gotta have to live with that. Right. And, but it's not to say we don't get some great little scenes in this because we do get, uh, you know, him terrorizing Nancy around the house. Like I think that cat and mouse game that they play for a little bit is pretty good. Even at the point that he bites her on the leg. And I thought that was hilarious. I was like, why would he like, he, <laughs> He takes one to the dome and he goes to grab her and he can't quite get her, but he gets her leg. And so he pulls her back. And what's the way we're going to disable her? I might as well bite her. Like you got these claws on your hands, just swipe at her fucking thigh and maybe you'll get a big chunk out of her and she won't be able to be as mobile. Nope. I'm going to bite her. No, I think this is the, this is the, uh, the plot The you know, we can't have a disabled for plot reasons. So we'll just, we'll just ignore the fact that he's got a weapon right there and just, it just sort of the plot dictates that, that she needs to be able to run at some point. So we're not going to do that. But even with him coming out, I kind of like the, the way everything gets set up. Like, cause they, they go outside and the pool starts getting hotter. And like, mm. that's the whole thing with the, you know, the boiler and, and they're representing fire and heat with Freddy Krueger for this. And then even on the inside, the fish tank blows up and it's when the fish tank finally does blow up that Freddy and it's now been unleashed out of the body of Jesse, but he doesn't get the cool transformation in like he got before. You don't get to rip out. You, you only get to have that special effect once in, in the entire film. Yeah. Does he, does, does he now space now split into two, a distinctive thing now, isn't he? I can't remember that the, I can't remember this bit. I, I remember the, the, the pool scene. I just can't remember from the transition from, from him being inside with, with uh, Lisa to, to Freddie coming out of the pool. So he's, so Basically, you have a couple of things that happen. She she runs in the kitchen. He doesn't split from from Jesse. Jesse is just gone completely at this point. 
but you do get the, like this scene here where Jesse still speaks through Freddie. Jesse, come on, I just want you to listen to this. It's something Nancy said in the last page of her diary. Listen. He is evil itself. I know now that I brought him into my world. We all did. Gave him all the energy he needed. Our screams were all he needed. Lisa? Jesse, she wasn't crazy. All this really happened. You can fight him. Oh, God, he's coming back. Get out of here, Lisa! Jesse, fight him! I can't! Fight it, Jesse! You created him! You can destroy him! Lisa! Open this door! He is living off of your fear! Jesse, fight him! I can't! You can! Fight him! You are not afraid of him! He doesn't even exist! Okay, so I messed up a little bit. That's actually the whole transformation scene, and uh, but that's but that's how he comes into being, right? So he's there, uh, and that's when he takes the thing to the face, does that. But the next little thing, and I'm going to play this because it's not very long as well, almost back to back. But this is where you you see the struggle in between him and Jesse inside the same body, where Jesse actually comes out after she's been chased around the house and now has grabbed a knife. Jesse, help! There's no Jesse! I'm Jesse now! Get away from me! Get away from me! Kill me, Lisa. Please kill me. I love you, Lisa. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh, please. Please. No. I love you, Lisa. So that's where you have the disappearing scene and uh, the I love you, Lisa, and then throwing her, just <laughs> tossing her across the room right into the wall uh, is both hilarious and, uh, well, I guess it's just hilarious to me. 
Well, I, oh, yeah, I just like the dude, the four dudes watching through the window. Like, oh, oh something's going on. And it, well, it's kind of weird at the same time. And maybe that's where I think a lot of people maybe that have didn't come to the series too much later. And it feels so weird with this one, because this is the only one where he actually escapes and is in the real world and where people would actually know that he really exists. Right. Because they actually saw this happen to somebody. Yeah, it's just kind of he's he's now manifested into uh, you know like like you said an actual an actual person that uh, albeit one that can disappear when he jumps through windows, but um, uh, it's very yeah, odd. But it's kind of it's, it's weird. It's happened a few times in, in this in this film where people have seen him, but once you know once he gets to the end and the film wraps up, it's just never it's never mentioned again. No, ever. nobody seems to give a shit. Like it's literally, he's okay. He's done it. Uh, Freddie existed, and everybody's just like, "Hey, kill a party, man!" Like, <laughs> especially when we get to that 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 point there. But it's it's still. We, we we're almost at the end of the film. And I know this has probably been some time since we've been talking about this movie, but it it's still like it's just kind of interesting where everything goes and the fact that he's still fighting there and you get those close-ups of him while he's talking. It makes me wonder if those close-ups are actually of the original actor versus being, uh, you know, Robert England instead, because it doesn't seem to move so well as it does when Robert England is talking. Like he really has, it's, it's this weird up angle shot at just the mouth. And it seems like it's really stiff and not necessarily working so well. No, I mean it's it's also when you see when you actually see Robert England in his Freddy makeup, he looks a lot different in this film than he does in any of the other films. There's mm-hmm. something; it's almost as if they've they've now once they had to reshoot and got him back. It's like, well, okay, well, he's kind of in other shots, so we need to kind of make a mask that looks to kind of like what we were what we had originally. Um, so, I, yeah, and it's. it's so he has the red, sort of the red in the eyes and stuff, which I don't think he has in many of the films. So No, he also has a weird thing with the hands. Maybe it's because he's in the real world where it's not the glove he's wearing. The The blades are actually coming out of his fingernails. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I quite like that. I think, I'm sure it happens in one of the later films once. But um, but yeah, I, I quite like that. But it's kind of, again, it, but it takes away the, you know, because he was always, like he used to kill the kids with that glove made of, of knives. It was never yeah. really a, it was never really a supernatural object as such. It was, it was lying around in the first film, wasn't it? It was kind of, um, his power wasn't the glove. That was just a weapon. But yeah, no, his his power was going into your dreams and being able to manipulate things and to make whatever he wanted to to feed on your fear and then kill you when he needed to kill you. Mm. Yeah, that's basically it. And uh. It's it's weird because now he's out there and like you said he runs through the glass and they just like disappears after he gets into the glass. And it's really weird. And then there's the iconic scene of him kind of popping out of the water, yeah. and and then starting to kill the kids. That's like one of the the things that like even I remembered you know from seeing it from so long ago. I'm like, oh yeah, this is that iconic scene that you see where he comes out and then he starts slaying everybody. And I like the way this this scene like turns out because you know the kids are trying to run, but everything is done for real. Like you see the setup of him trapping everybody there. He, he turns the lock and locks the gate before he turns over. Uh, he manages to somehow like electrify the fence. Uh, 
I don't get it, but okay, that's a good way to keep it. One of the kids, I think, even gets killed because he gets trampled on because the kids are trying to escape. And then my yeah, kill is the one that we'll talk about in a second, but I'll let you speak first. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a, it's kind of a good old-fashioned action horror scene now. It's kind of... What, with the way the way the film this film actually started, it was kind of the way I thought the whole film was going to be. It was going to mm-hmm. be this is going to be a almost a straight on Freddy taking on everybody kind of film. But it's um, it's this is yeah. I mean, I I I this is one of those scenes like you said. I I remember the scene without remember ever seeing in the film. So, um, you know, I I must have seen it years back. Um, because I, I I don't know how how I've forgotten everything but the scene. But it was uh, it's a great scene. This and and so you have Freddie killing everybody outside, and then uh, her parents manage to get free, right? And they come down and protect her, and then they cut back out to the outside. And this is probably my favorite kill in the entire movie, just because you get that like quippy type of Freddie uh, at the end of the kill. Hey. Just calm down, right? Relax. Yeah. It's gonna be alright. Nobody's gonna hurt you. Just tell us what you want, alright? Yeah, I- I'm here to help you. Help yourself, fucker! And <laughs> it's fantastic. That's that's so great. Yeah, I mean, who who is this nerd that you know is going up to him, just like it's okay, man, it's okay, cool, we'll just be cool. It's like, who who are you? Like he even the look at his face is like, who the fuck do you think you are? Like, and and do you see me? Do you see me with my giant hand of fucking blades here? Do you think I give a shit what you need? No, I'm just gonna go over there and even doesn't help yourself, fucker, and he just stabs him. That's it. It's not very violent. But I, I think it's probably the best kill in the movie just because it it plays with itself. It it didn't take itself too seriously. But at the same time, he it's not funny because it's a, a funny quote. It's funny, I think, because it's him and that's a natural response to you're gonna stand up to me. Do you know who the fuck I am? Yeah, it's um it's, it's the way it's just sort of, it's shot from sort of the behind, so you you see him slashing everything, but you don't get any blood. You don't see, you see nothing. No, so it's a really kind of, it's a great kill, but a really wet blanket of a kill at the same time. It's a kind it, of, it is, and it kind of is that late seventies where the mainstream horror movies that were coming out weren't so gory. They were really kind of, it's almost like the start of that PG thirteen era where you hit that 90s era where we have all these kills that are not really violent and so that we can keep them PG-13, even though the content of them is really violent. Yeah, I'm just wondering whether this film was being made around the time there was the massive outcry about violent horror films in uh, out in America. I'm just wondering if this is around the same time period so maybe they reined it back slightly. It might have been. I mean, 85 probably was around that time because there were still some violent horror films, but I think that your more violent horror films were not big theatrical releases like these films were. Because even, you know, the Friday the 13th series, 
I would say about this time is when they started toning down their violence as well. Yeah, there was there was sort of a bit of resurgence in the late eighties, early nineties of, of of going back to sort of more gorier films. But um, I would imagine if they'd done this sort of more recently, along with that quip, there would have been something like. I don't know, he would have cut something off and shoved it in his mouth or, you know, pulled his, <laughs> pulled his throat out or something. It would have been, there would have been something to go along with a quip, not just a, a, a quick flash of the hand. Probably would have like sliced and as he sliced in, it would have grabbed part of his intestines and just pulled it along with it. And then he threw the intestines in the pool. Then they would have focused up on the intestines for a little bit as it's floating there in the water. And then he would have seen a piece of dookie come out the colon because he also managed to rip out the colon at the same time. Yeah, uh, well, you know, let's get this film made. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody wants to fund this, we're, we're full of ideas here. That's, uh, that's, our, that's our entire pitch, is some, <laughs> some, somebody throwing some shitty intestines in a swimming pool. <laughs> that's right. It's just gonna, it's going to culminate, guys, into this one thing. You know, let's get well, those writers back in here. It's still better than anything Blumhouse has put out in the last five years. So... <laughs> <laughs> so so Freddy's gone and done done the, this this kill, and he's still going after the people outside. But then mom and dad show up, and dad shows up with his shotgun, and he's a terrible fucking shot. I'm surprised he didn't shoot one of the kids in the fucking head. Like if this if this was a today movie, that probably would have happened. He would he would have seen that he missed. He'd be like, oh no, I can't believe I missed. Um, but then we would have saw some kid's head explode, so we would be excited at the same time. Um, but uh, so it ends up that he runs off. And they're still worried about Lisa, but Lisa realizes, I know where he's going to be. Yes, I wonder. I wonder where he where, could have run to. <laughs> where could he possibly have gone that would have been someplace that we went to that was completely pointless to even go there? Oh, the plant with the boiler. Ugh. So he goes there, and there's, you know, there's those weird dog things wearing those face masks <laughs> yeah what 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 were they supposed to be i don't know and and not what i mean face masks when i think you know you think about masks i mean they're like faces that were like they were human dog things but they weren't like they looked interesting they just looked stupid well i thought i thought that that sort of when i was watching it, i was kind of uh, one of the times i was half paying attention i thought oh Maybe that's the faces of some of the pa- one of the parents. I say, like, oh, but they're all alive. And then, okay, maybe it's faces of um, the people he's killed. It's like that's definitely not Grady. So no. I don't know who who these who these are supposed like, to be. Are they the faces of the kids that he killed from earlier in his thing? Like now that he's home, I, I don't know. It's it's just weird to put these things there, and these dogs do nothing. Like they don't <laughs> growl or stop. They just sit there like dogs that are on a set and she just walks by them because they can't fucking see with those things on. So they have no idea what's going on. So they just go, whatever. And then she has her little showdown with Freddie that gets him to like, he chases her around a little bit. She burns her hands on the bars because it's so hot there. It's, I don't know, everything well, leading up to, to the final confrontation is kind of, eh. Well, yeah, it's, it's kind of just sort of, okay, well, these are the things we need to have. We need to make sure that at some point everything sets on fire. So we're, we're going to sort of have these flames appearing all down the railings. Everything's going to be hot. We're going um, to have this sort of showdown 
between Lisa and Freddie and she's, you know, shouting. She knows that Jesse's in there and there's this conflict between Jesse and Freddie and sort of internally and um, it's kind of, yeah, there's sort of a sort of five, five minute sort of build up that's just kind of filler, really. It's just kind of, let's just try and put in all the tropes we can. Just just to get it so that we can f- fill the rest of the movie, the end of the movie. And, and, and here's kind of what we're, we're talking about. This is like Jesse versus Freddie versus Lisa in, in the final scene that we have Freddie in the movie. Talk to me, Lisa. Jesse, I know you're in there. Stop him. No, no, no. Jesse's dead. Jesse! She makes out with him. <laughs> oh. This is, I, it's probably the worst acted scene in the entire film. Is 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 Lisa's little bit she just did there, which sucks because like everything else has been so good, and then this scene, which is like the penultimate scene of the movie, is so terrible. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, and maybe this is sort of why it got such a sort of bad rap it's kind of because you always remember you never remember sort of the middle bit it's kind of you remember the start you remember the end and if you're sort of a lasting memory of, of seeing this film as you walk out of the cinema is is that you're like, you're like that, was, that was shit i sat through all of this to get to that like that's what it, it, I, I would yeah. imagine some people would have thought at least at that time like if you weren't enjoying what was going on beforehand and you get to this you'd be like I can't believe I had to sit through all that. And then you have this, you have this great scene with the pool party and you go like, yeah, that's the slasher stuff that I want. If that's what you were going for. And then all of a sudden, this is what you have. The final showdown 
because the final showdown the first one is pretty damn good it's very entertaining and it follows still the slasher tropes and so does every other freddy from this this is the only one where it's really just kind of terrible like but love conquers the, yeah. all this it's the thing this is it's the thing that disappointed me about the ending of this film is is you, like you were saying, you have this amazing, it all starts kicking off at the pool scene and you think, right, we're going to have a, a real sort of humdinger of, of the last 10 minutes. And essentially it's just her say, you know, it's basically the power of love. You're like, what? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not how Freddie should be bailing out of yeah. this. It's, it's, uh, just waiting for cheesy fucking Celine Dion song to be start playing as, as they're going <laughs> on here. And, you know, random wind flutes and stuff. I love you, Jesse. <laughs> and then they kiss. And then, you know, the shedding of the body of Freddy Krueger is kind of cool. I do like that. I like that he breaks off the skin. And he kind of has, like, burn marks underneath yeah. him, which I thought was also kind of cool. So I'm like, okay, that's neat. But everything leading up to it is still, it's just, it's just terrible. I, I just well, I, can't yeah, get I mean, behind I, it. I was, just, I was just kind of half hoping that, 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 that as this was happening, he was breaking out, there would be something, there would be like a last kind of Freddy trying to hold on to what was going on. But it, it literally is just breaks apart and, hello, I'm back. <laughs> Hi, it's good to see you. <laughs> right, can it's... we finish up with our fucking then? <laughs> yes, I can't wait to get back on the, 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 you know, the, the great sex we were having earlier. Yes. That that normal heterosexual intercourse. You've got to love heterosexual sex, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, you can be my beard for a long wait, I mean no, uh, but yeah, it's it's just it's kind of a you know it's kind of a, just a, a crappy way for Freddy to go when you think about all of the movies that have been in the, the whole genre. And again, if I'd only seen the first one, I'd still would have been like, uh, is this the best way they could end it? So now everything, everything's all nice. Everybody's happy. And then, you know, I wish they hadn't done this. I don't know why they did it. We basically go back to the beginning of the movie, right? We, we see the yellow bus from the beginning. And I don't know about you, but of course, the first thing that went to my head was, oh, they're going to pull <laughs> a Nightmare on Elm Street 1, right? They're going to do yeah. that again. And they attempt to fake you out. But of course, as we know, when we get the last scene of the movie, that they really don't. And then I do enjoy the music when the credits roll. Hi. Hi. Hi, Jesse. <laughs> what is so funny? That was a really great party. Thanks, Lise. Thanks a lot. I can't believe it's actually all over. Let's not talk about it. Okay. Is this... Am I going crazy or is this bus going too fast? It's going fine. No problem. No. This bus is going too fast. Lisa... It's starting to speed up. It's fine. Driver! Driver, stop! Jesse, just sit down. 
sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's all right. Jesse, it's okay. It's all over. <laughs> a dream walking well I did did you ever hear a dream talking well I did did you ever have a dream thrill you with will you be mine oh it's so grand and it's and so that was A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. And uh, what what did you think overall? I absolutely love this film. It's, it's, it's just the... Everything leading up to the end. It's, 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 it's just that... It's just such a... I think that's why I was so disappointed with, with the actual end, is because I, I really enjoyed the different way that... The, especially coming back to this film after so long. It's like... I appreciate that what they were trying to do with the, the series at the, um, at the time, which ultimately a lot of people didn't like, but I quite like when they, they try and do something different. Cause I mean, what are we, what, how many films did they have in the end? Seven, eight. I can't remember. Uh, somewhere around there. If you include, I think the new one, I think it's uh, eight because there's uh, all the way up to a new nightmare. A new nightmare would technically be seven. And then the remake would be the eighth version of the film, yeah, which is a lot. None of them have tried to do anything, you know, as great as three was. Uh, kind of them doing something different was now stands out as, as probably one of the, the, you know, the better films. Just that ending just annoys yeah, me. Yeah, it, it's, it's just not, it's not good. And, and the fact that they went for the fake out of the first film again, I think it would have been great if they had decided just to end it and just like, there's the fake out. Is that, oh, we're going to do the first ending, but oh no, we just did that and we carried on and that was it. But they decided again to bring out, oh, there was a fake out to the fake out. And yeah, you, you have it. I, and it's, I think they, uh, by the time they got to the end of this, they must have already decided, okay, we're going to sort of be going back to the, to the old format going forward because we brought Robert England back. Let's just, <laughs> let's just get this done. Let's just go. You know, let's let's just uh, we haven't just, really thought of another ending. Let's just do this, so we set we'll, up another one. We'll just go bonkers after this, and that's just the way that it's it's going to be. You know, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I will say that 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 the Bing uh, Crosby song at the end is is one of my favorite end credit songs ever in a film. Oh, I think that it's absolutely wonderful. I think that that is uh, it, it's a really good fit to this film in general right i think that the way that it's gone everything's a little different and you would expect some type of kind of grandiose like maybe cheesy 80s type of ballad or whatever you want to put like you know dawkins at the end of three right and you think you'd want something but then this is just the way that it ends and it ends with this really like apropos song for the film 
Um, I, I think that there, I, I completely agree with you that the, the ending just ruins the movie for me. And the one thing that I do, like, I really enjoy this movie, but I also feel like this movie is really forgettable. Like there are just so many scenes that are just, you could take it or leave it. Do you really need it in there? Um, you know, do you need the scene with even him creeping on his sister? Do you need the scene where they go to the S and M club and the, the guy gets killed? Like, I don't remember those. I remember the pool scene because it's, it's so big in terms of the film. It, it has the, it's like where all the, the biggest kills and, and all the, the violence happens in the film. And maybe that's why it's memorable, but the rest of it, while being good, I still had problems remembering things before I did the stuff this morning. Like I watched it, you know, uh, Thursday again, just to prepare. And then Friday went through like a little bit of a recap. And then today when I'm grabbing all the audience stuff, it's another one. And we just went through another recap and there were still some times where I was like, Oh, I mixed up where I was just because it doesn't feel that super memorable to me. And that gives it a little bit of a kind of a negative mark for myself as well when it comes to the film. But I also think that it did so many cool things that were new that it still comes out as a favorable movie. And I'm glad that I got to watch it again. And my opinion probably is different than it was. So to to answer that question that I asked at the beginning, before we start going through this, if this was made today, would it have the same type of impact or do you think it would be different? I honestly, the way 20, the 2019, 2020 is, is, is kind of the way people are nowadays. I honestly think if that this film would be made today, the fact that as, 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 as subtle as they were trying to be with the sort of homoeroticism, it would be nowadays it would be labeled, ah, you're just preaching your you're um, you're just jumping on the SJW bandwagon. You're you're um, you know everything's sort of uh, for for clicks. It's it's a token kind of thing. You're ruining our franchise with with your gender and um, uh, your your kind of um, liberal way of thinking. I think that's what would happen now. There'd be so much talk about that. Um, maybe if you go back five years before modern day took over, I, I honestly think that it's the kind of storytelling that that would go down a lot better now than it did in 1985 because it's the same thing with with you know one of my all-time favorites halloween 3 because it didn't follow that structure that everybody back you know we didn't have internet we didn't have videos on demand it's like the cinema was you waited and waited and waited for something to come out of the cinema knowing full well if you you know if you didn't see it at the cinema you would have to wait six months for it to come out on vhs so like new new night on elm street the first one was amazing this is going to be fantastic you you wait all this time for the film you go to see it and then you but this isn't this isn't what 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 it's supposed to be um but i i think maybe five five odd years ago i think it would have been received well now it would be received terribly purely because of everybody's sort of agendas and things that, that that seem to get forced into films these days. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And I think that's kind of how, you know, I don't want to bring up the, the uh, trilogy, I guess that shall not be named by some <laughs> people because it kind of fits that mold, like what you're kind of speaking about. And uh, you know, I, I can definitely see that point. I do see, you know, five years ago that 
it's it's a possible or even you know, maybe even 10 years ago to think that they could have done um, the same things that they're doing and it would have been labeled as fresh and ingenitive, uh, you know, maybe even genius at, at some point that they're trying to do it, uh, that nothing's being forced down our throats, but that, wow, this is something, this is a really interesting take on it. And, um, you know, the, the fact that it is, you know, it is groundbreaking because we have our very first male and pretty much only male screen queen that has ever existed uh, is fantastic. I, I think that if we could do it again. It doesn't have to be, I think for some, maybe you could say it doesn't have to have the gay overtones that this one has, and maybe it would. Um, it would be great to to see a movie like that because we have, and, and I'm not trying to like say I'm doing like a gin, but we have a ton of great heroines that are in horror. And especially if you want to talk about strong female characters, you go right to horror films. That's That's just it. You know, I get it. There's all these other places and people are, I think the people that bitch about them are the people that have been watching these action movies all this time that have had nothing but these male stars that are the, the star of the film and the great hero of the film. But when you come to horror, we're used to it. We're used to knowing that they're, the final girl doesn't mean that she's weak and that she's just left alone. She could be the strongest character in the whole movie. It's one of the reasons why I like that movie, The Final Girls, um, that one, that comedy type thing where they kind of go over that trope again. Um, it, it, it does a, it, we really could have a film like this. And I feel like maybe they feel nowadays that they just can't because maybe because of this film, they feel like they can't actually do that type of film anymore. Um, which sucks. Cause I think that we could, I think that we could have one where it doesn't have to be a super strong male lead, but one that gets at the end and, you know, say is the last one that survives yeah. and, He's... Yeah, I mean, I, I think if this had been maybe episode four or five in the series, it may well have had a better reception. Because I think by that point, even the, the standard Nightmare on Elm Street's by sort of four, five, six, people were like, eh, yeah, I'm tired now. Yeah. Having a different a different take on it right in the middle of the series might have... Um, the, the way I sort of see it now is that if I go back and sort of watch them, it really... You know, it's a great sort of fit to have it in part of this series because, you know, they they didn't just follow the same old way of doing everything. It's like, well, we're going to do something new. We're going to try this. Uh, like, you know, like we said, like we said earlier, the, um, it took twice the box office of the first one. So, you know, it it took the money, whether people liked it or not. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. that's kind of how that trilogy of films has, um, uh, won't be named, has, um, <laughs> has, has survived. It's like, well, we've got your money. It doesn't matter if you don't like it. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's kind of the same with this. But I, I feel like this is, uh, you know, it's become kind of a cult classic. I think that it'll remain a cult classic to some. Uh, the ones that really, really like it will continue to like it. And the ones that don't, uh, they won't. So... Uh, if we're going to go through the rating scale for everything else, uh, what would you give the gore factor of the film? It's always going to be out of five. Gore factor's got to be real low. I mean, I would say purely for the the, the ripping his scalp off alone, I would give it a one and a half. Uh, see, I, I give it like a two because there's that. There's also the scene where his hand's kind of coming apart. And then when he rips out of, you know, uh, Jesse's body. I think that that it can be, it's not super bloody. That's the thing. It's, it's gore, but not gore. 
you know? So yeah. it gets in that, that two range where somebody could be disturbed by it, but it's not going to ruin your night. No, I think I'd be, I'm so immune these days that it just comes off as weak. <laughs> I think it's just... It's not quite... It's like Cronenberg light is, is what, what it kind of is. You know, not quite the fly. Um, and then Crap Factor. What, what would you go with that? Like, you know, Ooh. how crappy... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. If I'm gonna call it fun, crappy, so oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a four. You're gonna give it a four. Okay, I I can respect that. I give it a three right down the middle because I think like Lisa's acting just drives me crazy in this movie, to be honest. <laughs> and that whole ending like is just it ruins all the cool things that they set up to do. And I'm not talking about the pool scene and changing it to like a slasher because you can change it to a slasher. I don't care. But just the final showdown between Freddie and Jesse and Lisa, it would have been maybe kind of cool if they had gone like internally and you would see Freddie and Jesse talking. Even if you're going to have kind of a, a calm ending, at least have them talk and then boom, Jesse wins out. Not, okay, he's never going to get out of me. We're going to die together. Um, terrible shit. So uh, fun factor. So how much fun was it to watch this movie? Oh, uh, even with that ending, I'm I'm giving it a five out of fun. So I, I'm giving it this one. Uh, I give it a three out of five. Um, I'm I'm kind of in in the middle. I think there are just some things that I still was kind of like like talking about it in terms of us doing this. It's a it's a five out of five. I think it's great to talk about. Uh, sometimes while watching it, it just drags on a little bit. Like we said in the beginning, it feels longer than it is. It's actually an hour and twenty three minutes. And it feels like it's almost two hours long just because sometimes it drags a little bit. So I, I can understand that, but I'm not saying it's not fun at all because I think Mike Patton's performance kind of makes the film in the way that he does his, the role and how he changes in it. And I think Robert England does a pretty good job in the limited amount of time he is as, as Freddie in this film. Yeah. Well, I, I think the, the reason I, I give it the five is because like, like when you go on Wikipedia, like I said earlier, that literally it's four paragraphs. They get the film down to four paragraphs. Mm-hmm. But those four paragraphs, the stuff that happens is so much fun. The dancing scene, the pool scene, the, 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 the great heterosexual sex scene, the, all, all this stuff. Is, when, it's done, when it's done well, when it's done right, it's done really, really well. Uh, yeah, and it and kind of, which is why I remember, remember this film, but then kind of don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of when it hits the notes, it hits them, it hits them great, and and it kind of overrides for me. There's enough of that to override the the the, the, the bad bad parts. Bad bit, <laughs> yes. So overall, what would you give the film? Uh, I'm going to go for three naked man butts out of five, <laughs> and I'm going for three human dogs out of five. Um, I think that uh, I think that it's just it's a good movie. It misses the mark of being a great movie. I don't know if it ever would have gotten to be a five out of five for me, but it could have been a four out of five by changing the ending a little bit and kind of still following itself. And I think that that ending is where you see the studio execs kind of come in and affect the way the movie is running. Yeah. I think so, this was the, the, the birth of meddling by the, uh, by the execs was sort of around this sort of time. Oh, we've got a yeah. franchise on our hands here. Oh, it must have this. It must have this. It must have this. I think that's kind of what's happened here. So, well, Neil, I really appreciate you coming on. I hope you had a lot of fun for a movie that's only an hour and 23 minutes. I think we talked over three hours of this goddamn movie. So 
Yeah, um, but buckle in, people. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this is going to be the end. So. This is the end, so they're going to have to <laughs> buckle the fuck in. I think in the beginning, I'm like, I don't think it's going to last that long. And then here we are at the end, and it's lasted that long. So uh, I'm pretty sure there are other people out there, you know, think that they're going to hold the record. And maybe now you hold the record with Nightmare on the Street 2. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, th- th- thanks so much for having me on. I mean, like I said, I've, I've always wanted to get on here, and and uh, you know, next time Anaconda's three, hunt for the blood orchid. <laughs> well, we'll definitely have to look into that one. I don't know if I'm ready for another Anaconda movie, uh, but uh, definitely have you on once again. It was a lot of fun. Uh, do you have anything to plug? I'm pretty sure that you do. Oh, you know, the, the, the people that follow me on on Twitter or the gram um, normally see me posting one or two little bits of art that I, I like to muck around with. Um, actually, you know, it, it, it's, it's going quite well doing all this at the minute. So, I mean, if anybody does want to follow my, my rise of, of, of kind of my dream of becoming a, 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 a full-on poster artist, um, my, my career is just, just getting going. I've got, 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 got some great contacts, done a few things. Actually spoke to the head of uh, Marketing Patroma on yesterday. That's, so, that's awesome stuff stuff may be starting to happen but if anybody wants to follow my 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 my, my dream of trying to become this you can follow me uh neil fraser 78 on twitter and neil fraser graphics on instagram and you have to see the posters that he does you probably already see them if you see the bonus episodes for dave's pop culture pop well not pop culture podcast anymore the podcast from another world i can't even get my own bonus fucking podcast mm-hmm. name right and i always fuck up that name so i'm surprised i said it right this time but he does every one of the uh, images that you see on there when you go look at the episode, whether you see it on Spreaker or you see it on, I think it sometimes shows up on iTunes. I'm not sure. I think on Google Play, it also shows up as well. Um, and then some of them, it's, you know, it's just still our My No More logo, but uh, they are absolutely amazing. Um, and he's such, a, you have such talent that I wish I had when it came to like that type of art and Photoshop type of things. Um, it drives me fucking crazy when I see those types of, Jesus fucking Christ, what the hell do you do this time? Especially when I saw the last one that you did for Uncle Sam. Um, I was freaking floored every time, I swear, I see those. <laughs> like, how can you get Dave into in such a compromising position? Um, <laughs> that, well, that, that, yeah, I mean, that, that was probably one of the easier ones. It just, it just like, that was just manipulating a uh, sort of pre-existing See, uh, image, you, but you say that, but that would take me like two years <laughs> to even get close to fucking doing. <laughs> so you know, yeah, it's, it's it's easy enough plugging some microphones into a board and doing a little bit of light editing to put out a fucking podcast. But well, like somebody asked me today, somebody sent me a message and say, "How how do you do those drawings?" And it's like it's easy. You just spend your entire adult life sitting in a dark room. <laughs> doing it over and over again until you're happy with it. And then once you're happy with it, you do it again because you should never be happy with it. Cause like, it kind of, I'm kind of in this weird sort of situation where, you know, somebody says, Oh, that, that's great. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I can see all the stuff that's wrong with it. I'm like, it's, it's shit. <laughs> it's rubbish. Hey, everybody's their own worst fucking critic. And I can tell you that like, it's rare that I go back and listen to one of these episodes because I'll find everything that I did fucking wrong where I stumbled on something and I left it in there on accident. Um, it's a reason why I started doing the bloopers because I need to start making yeah. fun of myself. So that way that I didn't take it all so serious. But well, the, 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 I, I get I mean, like 90% of, of, um, of any artist or designer's time is spent getting really pissed off at somebody else's work, how good it is. <laughs> you just sit there and go, you son of a bitch. I'll... Like that, that I, that's pretty much all I do is I go through, I've stopped following 
other artists where or, or mute them because I just when they put up work, I'm like, you son of a bitch, that's that's. <laughs> and then I get sit there, get how did he do that right? And then it's like we're all so insecure about our work that if somebody does something good, you're like, right. I'm going to find out how you do that. And then you sit here till two o'clock in the morning. My wife's getting furious at me because I was like, no, I need to, I need to figure out how to do this. Um, yeah. It's, it's kind of, we're all the same. I mean, I speak to her. There's another guy, a, a really great poster artist that he actually got me into starting in, I mean, I've only been doing it since October. I sort of decided in October, this is like, this is where I want to go. So um, there's a guy that I speak to who's he's, he's twice the, the artist I am, but, even he's like, he does the same thing. He doesn't like his own work. He, he sits there. I think he mutes me. I mute him. But we still, <laughs> we still chat. We still chat on, on Messenger. But it was like, yeah, yeah, I saw your last bit of work. It was amazing. It's like, none of us look at each other's work. We just kind of, <laughs> it's just, I think we just both get annoyed. So we just like, no, just mute each other and then we'll just chat. But, um, so that way you don't have to see the art. You can still stay friends. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I'm going to let you go from here, and uh, thank you once again for uh, joining me to do this wonderful film. No problem, buddy. I really enjoyed it. Once again, I want to thank Neil for joining me for this episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast, where we looked at A Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Turned out to be way longer, I think, than either of us thought that this was actually going to be, but it was a lot of fun recording the episode, so... You're probably thinking to yourself, what is the next movie that we're going to do? Well, I couldn't figure out a movie to do, and I've always, uh, my wife always says, why don't you do one of the movies that I want you to do? So I asked her, what movie do you want me to do? And that's where we're going to look at this movie called Hemoglobin, which is also known as Bleeders. mutations, genetic changes. Some Van Dams escaped into the tunnels below this island. They're still alive. It was the islanders burned down the mansion. People always fear what's different from them. You were different. You were normal. I'm John Strauss. We break into this coffin. My husband's very ill. We're trying to find his family here. Look who's coming back from the dead. Are you lying? Where do I come from? Death can be a sweet release. The island is undercut by tunnels. There are things living in it. They are feeding on corpses, and they're very hungry.
mean, buckle home? I am home. So that's the movie that we're going to look at next week. It's called Bleeders. You can find Bleeders or Hemoglobin both on YouTube if you search well enough. And then if you go to Amazon uh, available for rent, it's called The Descendants. So it is three different movies, but it's all the same from 1997 starring Rutger Hauer uh, as well as a couple of people that you don't know who the hell they are. Uh, so 97 and this is i think one of my first forays into the 90s in terms of not first ones but one of the kind of more like what seemed like direct to video type of horror movies and this is something that my wife said she used to rent all the time and she doesn't remember if it's any good or if it's any bad but she probably probably is bad <laughs> for the most part but it's going to be interesting to watch this again and there is a, a little bit of uh lore i can not lore but uh, trivia i can give you right now if you're able to find hemoglobin the actual one then you'll get an extra minute of nudity so yeah find which one you want to watch <laughs> without uh, all further ado i want to thank you guys once again for listening to the episode don't forget to follow the terror terror podcast out there on platforms such as twitter T underscore T underscore podcast, uh, YouTube Terrible Terror Podcast, Facebook.com slash Terrible Terror Podcast, and we're available on, you know, Instagram as well. So I thank you guys very much for checking out this episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast, and we'll see you next time with Hemoglutin. Uh, take care, be safe, and speak to you soon. Mm-hmm.